LBC 97.3. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC 973. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning. Thank God it's raining. Thank God it's wet. That's what you're waking up to this morning, so if you're uh, setting off very shortly... Take an umbrella, you're going to get it for most of the day today, and so we've got light rain in London town, but it'll become heavier as we go through the morning. Uh, Lots of stories in the papers today, lots of uh, things to, well, really make you go, are you sure? According to uh, a close friend of Prince Charles, Princess Diana was spiteful to him and, and never loved him. She also claimed that Diana didn't have any time for the royal family. She believed she was a star and she spent all her time going to discos and partying. What a load of old rubbish, honestly. The older they get, the more barking mad they become in the royal family. And the woman who's claimed this is Lady Pamela Hicks. She's Mountbatten's daughter. And quite clearly, either she's so delusional or hasn't got the faintest idea what was really going on. What she knew about the royal family, as I say, could write on a grain of sand, I would have thought. Because Diana didn't go to parties all the time. Uh, She went off to invited places, like she went to the Serpentine Gallery, uh, as was her right. She was invited because she was a member of the royal family. And as for the fact she never loved Charles, that was the trouble. She did. She didn't realise that he was off with another woman. From before the marriage to all the way through the marriage, as she pointed out in the interview, there were three of us in our relationship, which she wasn't aware of. But unfortunately, if you ended up with Prince Charles, you kind of had to go along with the other bit of baggage which he took with him. The chain-smoking Audrey Roberts lookalike that turned into Camilla Parker Bowles, who was married as well at the same time. So, in fact, there was probably about four of them in the relationship. It was all very bizarre. Uh, Not interested in the film last night, and it seems that Leicester Square wasn't either. There's only about 100 people turned out for it. Very poor. Everybody was uh, more interested in the Freddie Mercury thing, which Freddie Mercury would have been, what, 63 or something had he lived? 67. I wonder what he looked like, actually. Probably pretty much the same, I would have thought. He was, he was, he was very good at keeping himself fit. And he enjoyed his, his discos, he enjoyed his dancing, and uh, he, enjoyed, he enjoyed life, actually, probably a little bit too much. But they were all out last night. Apparently the goodie bag was sensational. I saw Kevin as he was leaving the showbiz Kevin. I saw him as he was leaving the bit. He almost looks too smart, actually. I find it quite worrying. It's like, I mean, t- to me, I know, I, I, when I look at him, I feel I'm looking in a mirror. There's so much sort of similar between the two of us, both sort of good-looking, both full head of hair, both slim, both attractive, both good at our jobs. And, uh, well, one, one out of all those isn't too bad, is it, really, I suppose? Uh, other stories of the paper today. Uh, they're talking about Lady Gaga. They're talking about uh, Alexa Chung. Do you know, I don't know who Alexa Chung is or Daisy Lowe. I've heard their names. What, what they're famous for, I've got no idea at all. But yesterday, the one thing I did notice, and, of course, it happened after I left the building, was that huge pile-up. 120 cars, lorries and other vehicles ploughed into each other um, because they were obviously going too fast or too close to each other, and the fog came down. And what have we been saying all morning on LBC? Fog. There's fog out there. Andy McCall was saying, put your fog lamps on because there's fog out there. We were sitting on the train uh, coming back and looking out the windows, and there was a mist and fog over London. Always an indication of a very hot day ahead. But... uh, there was here. It was a mile-long trail of destruction. They must have been really bombing at some of these cars. I mean, they just jackknifed all over the place. I mean, truly miraculous that nobody died. Truly miraculous. They didn't. They didn't die, and they managed to, to sort of emerge from it. Some people were treated at the scene. Some people were airlifted. There were a few serious injuries, but the rest of it um, was okay. It's just that it's going to be a lot of big insurance claims. And a lot of people there go, "Well, I don't know how that happened." The answer is, you were too close to somebody in front of you. 
And that's that was the uh, that was the big problem. And of course, mist and fog. And people think that they can drive in mist and fog. I see people all the time. I can come back, <coughs> excuse me, on the motorway. Say if I've been down to Essex for the day, and you come back, and there's people who bomb past you at about 80, 90 miles an hour. There was a car driving on the road this morning, no lights on. Now, you're assuming it's either a, a junkie or a drug addict or an alcoholic, because unless you're particularly stupid, you can't really drive on London's roads with no lights on, because, I mean, you must look down at the dashboard and not see anything. And he had no lights on. I thought, where is a policeman when you need one? Where is the blooming policeman? Uh, already, the dreary stories have started emerging from the... Uh, the oh, I'll tell you, who, who, who was the celebrity turnout last night for the Diana film? Vanessa Phelps. That was it. Poor old soul, honestly. You feel like saying to it, darling, uh, nobody else went. You know, it's a bit sad, isn't it, that you're that desperately uh, insecure that you have to turn up to something like that. Apparently the pil- film is, is rubbish. But, you see, I'm, I'm not interested in any films about Diana. She's dead, and I just think it's capitalising on something like I'm really not interested. Really not interested. I had a dream last night. I, dre- I had two dreams, about three dreams. In one of them, Bruce Forsyth was working in a, in a sweet shop but in, like, a little cabin, and, and I was with some friends, and I went, Bruce, question. In which film do you get to see Sid James singing and dancing? And he didn't, he didn't know what the answer was, because he's a song and dance man. I, I said, you'll be amazed when I tell you. It's Three Hats for Lisa. I said, Sid James sings and dances in it. And actually, not badly. He could, he could sort of, he can get away with it. He actually looked quite good. And he said, I never knew that. I said, I'll, I'll, I'll get hold of a, a copy. I said, you can order it on Amazon. And he said to me, he said, do you not think I'll maybe get a free copy, being Bruce Forsyth? And I said, you probably will. You probably will. Well, I thought it was, I thought it was quite, quite funny, actually. Quite funny. Uh, so here we are. Naomi Watts arriving for the world premiere. Found herself treated like the princess she plays. Signing autographs. But uh, Diana focuses on the Royals' two-year affair with the heart surgeon Hasnat Khan. Uh, Mr Khan has insisted the plotline was based on gossip and Diana's friends talking about a relationship they didn't know much about. Um, I don't know, it's... To be honest with you, I, I just felt a bit sorry for poor old Diana. I know we're rehashing old stuff, but the poor soul was in a royal family where you've seen what they're like. They don't, they don't deal with the outside world very well because they haven't actually been in it. They've only been in it in their particular capacity. They've never, the only person, I suppose, who has experienced it would be Sarah Ferguson freeloading Fergie, as they call her. But then it runs through the whole family, doesn't it? You know, you've got the freeloading father as well, so what hope for the poor children? Not blessed with looks, but anyway. So they've they've sort of got all these things going on in the royal family, and Diana just didn't kind of fit, yet she did it originally. For some reason, I I saw it in the field, you know, cute little thing, sunlight bursting through her legs, you know, fantastic. And and then then she sort of married into it and suddenly realised that the bloke she thought she'd married was already shacked up with somebody else, Camilla Barker-Bowles. The person we thought he was having an assignation with on the train in the sidings, we thought was Diana. No, Camilla Parker-Bowles. Oh, dear. The Andrew Parker-Bowles. What do they say? The man who laid down his wife for the king. Because that's, I mean, that's how it works, I suppose, in, in those sort of circles. Um, apparently, Louis Walsh, very miffed. He has a house over in um, France, apparently, and uh, he's, uh, he's rented this mansion... And I think it's for, for one of the judges' houses. He, he gets from, Well, apparently, next door to himself is Nicholas Sarkozy. And apparently he ruined the filming of The X Factor by making too much noise. But I thought that's the whole idea. What are you complaining about, Louis? That's the whole... You know, Nicholas Sarkozy, mildly more interesting than Louis Walsh. But apparently, uh, there are some critics of the show who claim they'd rather listen to hedge cutters than the contestants. 
And as for poor old Louis Walsh, he's got that Appleton bird who nobody knows about at all. I mean, she's just to laughingly call her some sort of mentor in the music industry is tantamount to saying that I know everything about the stock market. 84850 steve at lbc.co.uk. I did like the story that I heard earlier on about the hero train guard acts for saving a wheelchair victim who fell onto the rails. I liked that story. I wasn't quite, I wasn't quite sure. What did Ollie Mann think? Did he think it was a good idea that he'd been suspended? He thought it was a bad idea he'd been suspended. Well, I don't know. You see, the trouble is, it is, it is elf and safety, isn't it? It is a situation. Didn't we have a man a short while ago, and didn't we, didn't we all fall in love with him? Because he was the man who... He worked on a station somewhere, and he looked after the station and tied it up and all that, but he went onto the tracks, and he got fired. But he, everybody loved him. He was, he was a really good person. So this bloke does what, you know, anybody else would do, goes down there and, uh, and gets her off, but he's been suspended for breaking the rules. I mean, quite clearly, a bunch of bozos running the railway. You know, what he was doing was, was tantamount to have a go hero. He was saving someone. Was like, what would, he, what would you expect? You know, wait till the train hit her and see how much was left afterwards to pick up. No. He went down there and he used his initiative and his gumption and he helped her off the tracks. I mean, you know, all right, so they have safety rules, but rules are made to be broken. The whole idea is he saved somebody's life. I'm sure that woman lying there on the tracks is going, please, please come and help me. He's going, I can't love, I'm terribly sorry. Health and safety, can't do anything about that at all. So, uh, so that was it. I mean, he's upset to say the least. I don't understand, you know, what, what, what this company thought he was doing, a heroic dad of two. This woman, I know she fell onto the tracks in the wheelchair shortly before the train was due. I've got no idea. But uh, that does happen occasionally. But anyway, he's given decades of service. Decades of service. Terrible, really. I mean, it's, you know, uh, a commuter, Matt Findlay, says, does the company really expect staff to leave people on the tracks? Yeah, they do. Because it's health. So you probably had the union say he put his life at risk or something. Well, of course he did. But that's what makes him a hero, doesn't it? All these mamby-pambies who sit in their little offices. They don't, they don't know what the hell's going on at all, do they? don't really understand that kind of stuff. Uh, on the subject of uh, Princess Diana, the analysis is spot on, says Ian. Well, it is. I mean, it's listen, he was cheating with Camilla Parker Bowles, who was married to Andrew Parker Bowles, and, uh, and throughout the Diana marriage, he was with somebody else. It's, it's very similar to that book by Jacqueline Suzanne. I can't remember what the heck it's called now. But it was, it was based on uh, the life of Kennedy. It was based on the life of an American president and his very glamorous wife. And uh, I think the book was called The Beauty Queen by Jacqueline Suzanne. You should read it because it's basically the Kennedy story. It's the story of a woman who marries into a very powerful family in America. The trouble is the powerful family is the Kennedys. Quite clearly it's the Kennedys because she's, uh, she's the wife of a president. They're as tight as heck they don't spend money at all. She thought she was going to go into the family and they'd be buying shoes and all the rest of it. A bit like if you're married to Assad, but in which case you just thieve from your country. A bit like old, uh, who's that fat old bint from the, from the Philippines? Uh, Imelda Marcos, you know, the one who robbed a country blind. Then America went, oh, come and live here, you fat so-and-so. Bring all your shoes with you. How did you accuse, um, accumulate those, darling? My husband robbed. He's dead, luckily. But anyway, so you've got The Beauty Queen by Jacqueline Suzanne. And it's, it's the life, basically, of the Kennedys and of Jackie Kennedy who marries into a family and they, uh, they want to keep her down. Because if you remember, Rose Kennedy was the matriarch of the family. A bit like their own little mafia. They've all got a bit of, a bit of history that comes with them. And in the end, uh, the president in the book The Beauty Queen gets assassinated. So it's, it's almost identical to Jackie Kennedy. And, uh, and she's left there and there's no money. 
So along comes a little midget millionaire, a billionaire who's got shipping tankers. And uh, in real life, he's called Aristotle Onassis. In The Beauty Queen, he's called something else. And so he says, uh, I want, to, I want to, to marry you, you know. And she's thinking, Christ, you've got all this money. So anyway, she agrees to marry him. And they have the most fantastic, luxurious wedding. He flies people in around the world. People are given diamond necklaces. He's got limitless money. And on the wedding night, she braces herself. You know, for him coming to this little short, squat, ugly man to come into the bedroom. So she's going to have to pay for this somehow. And um, nothing happens. So she goes, she knocks on his bedroom door because people have separate bedrooms if you're very rich. That's how it works. And so she said, um, um, I'm waiting. He said, no, no, no. He said, I I have a mistress for sex. He says, I only married you for the kudos. He said, there won't be any sex or anything like that. And so in the end, she's sitting in her bedroom all by herself, like she was before she married the Greek shipping magnet. All the money in the world this time round, but nobody to share it with. bit like Diana. Uh, would you like to come? Oh, you're off with Camilla again. And that's the way it worked. They only wanted her for air and a spare. And it served them quite well. But they, they, they seem to close ranks. So now when you get Lady Pamela Hicks saying that Diana is off partying, what was she supposed to do? Sit there knitting or something? Dear God in heaven, woman. Get a grip. 17 minutes past four. Morning, 20 minutes past four. Nick Ferrari and the team this morning. As two teaching unions prepare for strikes this autumn, Nick will be asking what's wrong with performance-related pay, plus why are a fifth of women not reporting rapes? Nick will be speaking to the star of an exciting new play. Uh, Looking at the papers today, Isabel Hardman will be live in the studio. What's this exciting new play? They're going to be looking, incidentally... Um, at the the fog yesterday and how bad it was. Apparently it was like a pea soup. Still people were driving like lunatics. So they'll have a chat to a guy who was car number 72 involved in the uh, in the collision. Sounds dreadful, doesn't it? Oh, it's a play about Gordon Brown. How interesting. How interesting. I like that idea. Um, I do love these stories. You know, when you read a story about Halal, you think, oh, so, so there's a story here. Blundering school catering staff fed bacon to Muslim pupils who thought they were eating halal chicken, baguettes and sandwiches. So quite clearly, they don't know what they're eating now. You just It says that on there and they eat it. Anyway, a Muslim teacher noticed a smoky smell and taste from a baguette labelled as halal chicken and sweet corn. And catering staff confirmed there was bacon in it. Because it'd be chicken and bacon, wouldn't it? Uh, she claimed many Muslim pupils would have eaten the ham as she had the last of the baguettes for lunch. So in other words, they can't even tell now. And then she says... This meat is clearly forbidden in Islam. I felt physically repulsed. Well, I think you need to teach kids what it tastes like then, because quite clearly they loved every minute of it. I think clearly repulsed. Isn't it awful, really, when somebody gets repulsed by something? You think, oh, get a grip, for goodness sake. They made a mistake. They labelled something incorrectly. Get over yourself. Ridiculous. I mean, you know, it's human error. They have to, you know, sometimes, sometimes mistakes happen. Sometimes people get things wrong. And sometimes you have to do something about it. So in this case, all the Muslim pupils ate it because she ate the last of the kebabs. Well, she didn't. She, 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 the last of the baguettes. She tried it and then went, wait a minute, this isn't, uh, this isn't halal. And then discovered it wasn't. There was a mistake. But of course, by that time, all the pupils got yum, love the baguettes today. Really nice. We know it's clearly forbidden, but for God's sake, a little bit of... And this is a teacher, for God's sake. Something the matter with these teachers nowadays, isn't it, really? They, don't, uh, they get sort of overworked up over, over nothing, I think. Over nothing. Um, just to say, um, no, I don't have that, uh, what's the date today? No, no, it's only the 6th. I'm not back at the, uh, at the doctor's till the 20th. Till the 20th. There's so many parties, I've suddenly discovered there's all these leaving do's going on. There's sort of, there's a leaving do today, 
then there's a drinks party next Friday for somebody else. And I can't go to either of them. I might be able to make the one today, but I've, I've a horrible feeling I can't. It just depends how, how things turn out. In other words, if something better turns up, you know. I don't want to say that, really. Uh, but the next week, I can't go to it, because I've got lunch with a friend of mine, very high up at ITV, so you can film me in all the latest shows which are coming up, including... Yes, Peter Andre's 60-minute makeover, where we suddenly realise that Peter Andre can't present for toffee, I'm afraid. But uh, the old man will struggle on. He's, he's never really actually had to sort of work for a living, has he? He's never actually had... A proper job. He's always just sort of lagged on to people. Um, the um, the publicity machine is now whirling, and uh, and they're, and they're, they're trying to drum up interest for the uh, for the BBC's general pile of tat known as Strictly Come Dancing. Well, you've got no idea who half the people are, but they come up all sorts of garbage. For example, poor Susanna Deluded Reed says, I've interviewed past contestants and there's always a sparkle in their eyes. I'm thrilled to be doing the show myself. And on the front page, I want to make my kids proud on Strictly. Oh, give over, for God's sake, woman. You're doing it for a fee, OK? I want to make my kids proud. It's a fee. You Because if they said, oh, you do it for nothing, uh, I don't think so. No, I'm Susanna Reid. I'm on the television. I read autocue. You know, and so now they've got all these pictures of these people. And mum of three enjoys making her kids cringe. That's Sophie Ellis-Bexter which is good. And then you've got uh, Fiona Fullerton. She must have had work done. She looks unrecognisable. Really? She says, it's the bizarre the bookies have made me the favourite. They'll see when I dance. Rachel Riley has said this one. And they've got a picture of her. It's just an opportunity to have your hair fluffed up. And uh, a couple of people with tons of makeup on you, and then you attempt to whirl around the floor. I'm led to believe that a couple of the people have been professionally dancing for ages, include the Coronation star, Coronation Street woman who was... Um, the very good, I quite like that storyline because she was so evil. And uh, she's a pro dancer. She's been dancing at stage school since she was three. So quite clearly she gave the advantage over the fat bird, Phelps, who's going to be the buffoon of the series. You know that. There's always one buffoon and she will be the buffoon this time round. Uh, the Coronation Street star, uh, Michael Lavella, says, I'm a drunk and a cheat, but no rapist. Uh, and then the other, even more bizarre story. After Russell Brand at the after-show party for the uh, for the NAF GQ Awards, just an opportunity for GQ to get a bit of much-needed publicity, because I've never met anybody who's ever read GQ. I'm looking at a copy here today, and it's a gentleman's quarterly. And what it is, it's just pages and pages of adverts. That's all it seems to me. It's pages of adverts for, for sort of clothes and trousers and aftershave and everything else. And it's £4.00. £3.99. £3.99. Seems an awful lot of money for, for sort of just pages of adverts. Oh, there's a couple of interviews in there as well. One with Andy Coulson, who's doing something, and one with somebody else, anyway. And so Russell Brand is kicked out of the after-show party uh, because he called Hugo Boss, you know, uh, you know, what you did to the Jews was terrible because they supplied the Nazi uniforms. And, uh, and then it turned out, unfortunately, poor old Russell Brand, again, engaged brain before opening big mouth and getting yourself into trouble. He was wearing at the Oscars, he was wearing their stuff as well. He was wearing Hugo Boss. So got a lovely picture of him wearing it. So he's a total hypocrite, a total hypocrite. I understand the sentiment, but then, you know, if you're really that clever, Russell, which I don't think you are, why were you wearing Hugo Boss? Was it free? Was it a free outfit? I don't understand why he was why he was wearing it. If he was so anti them, unless it was just something he, he came up, it sort of came up, you know, with as he was there and thought, oh, I'll go with that one. In the same way that somebody else was taking the Mickey out of Stephen Fry and say you can't leave him with with vodka and tablets alone in a room, which was 
playing on the fact that he'd uh, he'd said that he tried to commit suicide once. It's it's a cry from the heart. Uh, dreadful old baggage and very common little nothing. Sophie Anderton plans to celebrate her freedom by tying up her lover in a kinky bondage session. You really are low rent, aren't you? I didn't realise that something could be this disgusting and still appear there. I mean, it's you know I don't know whether whether she was worse when she was on drugs or off drugs. Either way, she's disgusting. And she said. But I didn't want to be in the Big Brother house anymore. It was all bitching. Yeah, most of it done by you, actually, Sophie, I seem to remember. She doesn't like Carol McGiffin. She said she's an alcoholic, paralytic old witch. She doesn't say much better about you, darling. We know what you are. In fact, I think most people know what you are. Uh, the story, says Kevin the Milkman, about the hero railway worker goes to prove how stupid this country has become, Steve. Employees cannot use initiative or common sense anymore. I'm so glad I'm self-employed. And the problem with Camilla back in the 70s was she had a past... And protocol and the public wanted an untouched princess. Diana was a victim of the way the world was then. Yeah, they wanted that fairy tale princess. That's what people wanted with Diana. There's no doubt in my mind whatsoever she was the innocent party in this. Charles had an affair. He, he, he certainly wasn't giving it up to marry Diana. You know, they go, oh, Charles, isn't it, Mark? What did he do? No! He was a cheating old rat bag. That's what he was doing. He was cheating on her. But she had to fit into the royal family. She had to sort of... She had to basically do what they wanted to do. And it, it, it's the way they've always done it. They don't, they don't do it any other way. They don't know how to do it any other way. You know, they've got their dogs. They've got Princess... I mean, you've only got to look at Princess Anne. You know, she goes through good to bad. Sometimes, you know, the same blooming hairstyle for donkey's years. Must take her age. I bet she's got the worst hair of all. All the people, when she sort of takes it down at the end of the day, you just got this feeling. But that's the way they've always done it. It's the royal family. I was talking to somebody earlier who was just reading about the Tudors. And, uh, and in the book, he's very excited because Henry VIII has just died. And he's been excited about that. He doesn't want to know where the story goes after that. Uh, so I don't want to spoil it for him, but, you know, it doesn't have the best of endings. But, nevertheless, you know, Henry VIII dies and he just didn't want anything to do with the Catholic Church. And they've had all these great exhibitions in London. The last one was at the British Library. All the letters between Henry VIII and the Vatican, which must have taken weeks to get backwards and forwards. There was no sort of, you know, emailing it over to the Vatican to see what they were going to be doing about it. It was, it was just tremendous stuff. And we've kept it all. And we've kept it all. But he was incandescent with rage at times. And then, of course, when he fell out with the women, you know, if they either didn't bear children or uh, they didn't do what he wanted or maybe they, they cheated off with their heads. He had no... No worries about that whatsoever. You know, execu- I said to the producer, if they'd had public executions today, we'd have been leaving the studio at 6.30 and running, picking up our skirts and running to Tower Hill to catch the latest execution. Because that's what they used to do. The hung drawing and quartering bit didn't appeal to me in the slightest. That sounds absolutely awful. It's 4.30. LBC 97.3. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC 973. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. 28 minutes to five. Morning. Welcome to Friday morning. Very much looking forward to it. Uh, Still to come, uh, fake knockers. And uh, and that's the people who claim to be psychic. And we've got one here. He's a psychic accused of hiding a man in an attic to make knocking noises during a ghost tour of a so-called haunted hotel. There is no such thing, of course, as you know. It's just in an effort to drum up business. Chris Date, known as the Night Guider, in other words, a load of old cobblers, ladies and gentlemen, led £12-a-head ghost busters into a stable and asked a spirit to knock twice in an answer to a question. You know, are you there? And and, then people go, oh, that's really believable. Anyway, guests gasped as two raps were heard from the ceiling. 20 minutes later, 
the group spotted a man jumping down from the attic. He was quizzed by staff and claimed he was homeless, despite wearing designer jeans. Meanwhile, Mr Date had driven off. He said it was nothing to do with me. The knocking is one of the reasons I left. It was too extreme, not what I'm used to. I take what I do very seriously. It was a ghost hunt. No mediumship was promised. This is uh, the halfway hotel in Hlanethli in South Wales. It claims it's haunted. In fact, uh, it's, it's been an, a hospital, an abattoir and a prison in its history. So, of course, it's definitely haunted. No, it's not. The owner, Paul Francis, says, We found out about the spirit of a five-year-old boy called Jack cobblers. There's also the ghost of a train driver at the bar. A railway used to run past here. Glasses smashed for no reason. No, it's because people dropped them, dear. Okay, people dropped them. Uh, And some people have seen the spirit of a large rabbit. Yeah, well, if you drink in Clanethley, you deserve everything you get. Despite all the paranormal activity, Mr Date has now been banned from returning. He wanted his first ghost hunt to go with a bang, but it backfired. He'll not be welcomed back. They're all frauds, aren't they? All these people, honestly. Ghost hunters. You could probably bring them into this building. You'd probably bring them into this studio and you'd find some barking mad old biddy or generally a gay bloke who'll stand here and go, oh, definitely, there's definitely a presence in here. Bring that old woman in from old uh, that uh, Most Haunted. She'll probably she'll go, oh, it's definitely cold in here. Yeah, because we've got the air conditioning on, dear. That's why it's cold in here. Oh, it's ridiculous, isn't it? Um, Jane and Enfield, Strictly Come Dancing, plus Forsyth equals ham. Total revulsion. It can't be total revulsion, it's just maybe you don't like the programme. But the BBC seem to like it, and what the BBC do is hang on to something if they've got nothing else. If they've got anything else to run, they'll run this thing. And, they, you know, they're so desperate, they have to drag out a couple of their newsreaders. They're that desperate, they can't find any... Sil- you know, if they find somebody who, who finished in Coronation Street... Some fat old has-been, you know, and all these other... That's, that's the best that they can get. The best that they can get. And they'll, they'll sort of, you know, throw it at you from every angle. There'll be loads of publicity. The publicity machine will whir into action. You'll have pictures of Vanessa Felt draped in about 500 yards of material, because that's about the least you can get to cover up completely. Uh, I'm surprised they didn't get... In fact, strangely enough, who talk about appealing for work. Katie Price has said in her column in the paper today, oh, it's nice to see all these people in there. She said, perhaps they'll ask me next time round. I thought, no, they're never going to be that desperate, darling. I think there's a total ban on Katie Price at the BBC. Probably not officially, but I reckon unofficially. You don't want somebody like that on the television. And also, she doesn't have a TV programme anymore. She's got something she does herself, but nobody's bothered. And apparently still in a hospital bed abroad where nobody speaks English. Must be a nightmare. How she'd negotiated food. I've got, they must be looking at her thinking, who is she? Let's get rid of her as quick as possible. Uh, and I did like this story, because I thought this, this backfired rather spectacularly on Curry's, which is owned by Dixon's, incidentally. So Curry's read Dixon's, read, you know, lots of uh, insurance policies. A job seeker was left humiliated. He went for an interview at Curry's and was told to dance to Daft Punk. I don't even know who Daft Punk is, so it doesn't really help. Alan Bacon, a self-confessed massive nerd, said he'd prepare... Prepared for a week for the interview at the electronics chain, but he and nine other applicants were taken to a back room and asked to dance to the French duos around the world. Alan, who comes from Cardiff, said, After all the effort I'd put in, they asked her to dance with each other. I felt degraded and humiliated, but mostly disappointed. He later got a call from Curry's letting me know I wouldn't fit in. Is it that Curry's now the gay store, then? You have to sort of be able to dance with people you work with. Curry's owners said the store didn't follow official procedures and Alan and the others would be invited to another interview. The spokesman said, we're extremely sorry. I'd fire the manager immediately from that Curry store. Quite clearly, the man's a major idiot. Imagine being taken in. We had to do something similar for Five's company. When, we, when they assembled 
the uh, the group of us for Five's Company, we we um, we did a dummy show in Teddington where they brought in a, a group of students and they gave us some dogs and some toilet rolls and all sorts of things and we had to improvise and then based on the reaction to the audience or from from the audience determined on who got the jobs and. Um, and I sort of decided at an early age, or an early period in the thing, that I wasn't actually going to be humiliated or do anything, although as it turns out, I was. But in this particular thing, we had the audience coming in, and they quite liked me, so that was OK. And then we go to a next stage of it. All of this was done over a period of... It might have been a couple of months, actually. It might have been a couple of months. And then we do a thing, and we're in a rehearsal room somewhere. I can't even tell you where it was, because I can't remember. A rehearsal room. And they said, right, um, now there's all these things around here, and you've all got a sort of do something that will show you off as a personality. And so somebody did puppetry and somebody did ventriloquism. And I'm thinking, what do you do? I don't know what to do. No idea what to do. Nick Knowles was there and Amanda and lo- loads of other people. And they all did things. And I just didn't have a party trick. You know, people say, do you have a party trick? Would you like to do I don't have a party trick. You know, the, pa- the part I'm concerned, the party trick would be putting the pineapple through the little cocktail stick onto the piece of cheese. That'd be a party trick for me. Or eating cheese footballs or Twiglets or something like that. So I wasn't very good at that bit, but I still got through. I can't remember what Nick Knowles did. He might have done He was wearing, he was always in jeans and jean jackets and things like that. And then I discovered yesterday from Jonathan Shallot, who was doing the papers for, for Nick, uh, that he's, he's, uh, he's actually got Nick Knowles on his books. In fact, he seems to have just about everybody, actually. Uh, Patricia, read the Muslim repulsion of eating pork. My Jewish grandmother would uh, would would be spare if the plates weren't right or anything and touch pork. That's the way religious people are. Yeah, but it does, I know, listen, I know Jews who eat bacon. I know lots of Jews who eat bacon and things like that. It's not something to get all het up about. It's just that you have to do it, don't you? You have to sort of do it for your parents' sake or something like that. But if these kids ate... This is the story of the baguettes in the school, which turned out not to be uh, halal. But they didn't know that. It was It was chicken and bacon and sweet corn. You kind of think you'd recognise the bacon, wouldn't you? If you were, if you were Muslim, you're going to recognise what bacon looks like in any way, shape or form. I'm assuming. I'm only guessing wildly, of course. And um, and they ate it. And nobody complained about it. It was only when the, when the teacher ate the last one and suddenly realised that it wasn't halal. So uh, so that was it. So I, I don't I don't quite understand what the problem is. They ate it. They made a mistake. And they've held their hands up and gone, sorry about that. You know, the teacher, I'm revulsed by it. Well, you should tell the kids who've eaten it all. They quite clearly absolutely loved it. But uh, you can't for religious reasons. But don't, don't get all sort of your knickers in a twist over it. It makes it look, makes it look a bit daft, doesn't it, really, I suppose. Uh, 84850, uk. I was going to bring you the weather for today, but I don't need to tell you. just need to look out of the window, and you can see that it's a little bit damp out there, a little bit wet, and it's going to go through the morning. Mainly cloudy today, plenty of rain, 17 centigrade. It's currently 17 it won't go any higher. It'll stay that, uh, that temperature all the way through tonight. A mix of clear spells and showers tomorrow. Start wet, becoming dry and sunny. Some cloud around. I'm trying to think where I went yesterday. I, could, I went to get a haircut. And a friend of mine said to me earlier on, he said, you've had your haircut? People always look at me in disbelief. He said, I've had a haircut. And he went, really? I thought, well, they took hair off. I mean, I was in there for 20 minutes. In there for 20 minutes. So. Anyway, I'll, I'll let you know what happens with the, with the curries stories to whether or not these people actually get jobs after being humiliated. That's what the manager thinks very funny. Perhaps perhaps the manager likes people dancing with each other in there. And um, so th- this is this is the Katie Price comment. Poor old Katie Price, honestly. Delusional and illiterate. I only know three people in the Strictly lineup. she says. 
Uh, Vanessa Felt, Sophie Ellis-Bexter and Abby Clancy. Who knows, I might be asked to pull my dancing shoes uh, in the next series. Do you, I, th- I think she really means, because she can't write, so this is all ghosted for her. I might be asked to put my dancing shoes on in the next series, it should say. But what it does say is, I might be asked to pull my dancing shoes in the next series. No, darling, they're not interested in you. Nobody, nobody cares about you. Nobody cares about you. Mind you, I mean, if, if they get that desperate... They might have to ask you. They haven't, uh, they haven't got that, that desperate thing yet. The Diana film, Princess of Fail, Sparse Crowds and a Galaxy of Z-Listers. Uh, Andrew Morton was there. Connie Huck. Connie? What does she do now? What does Connie Huck do? Does she do anything? I don't know. But she was there. And uh, poor old Vanessa Feltz in a hot pink and Diamante dress. God. 51 she is. I think that's around the waist. Uh, British actor Naveen Andrews plays Dr Khan, but there's been a backlash over the accuracy. Uh, Royal photographer Arthur Edwards says the film purports to tell the true story of Diana's romance, but she's dead, and Dr Khan says it's based on lies. From what I can see, he's right. I was the pool photographer on the trip at the hospital in Angola and covered the walk through the minefield. The film gives a totally incorrect version of events I witnessed. So if that's from him, and he would know, uh, Grant Rollings, the Sun feature writer, says it's a load of old rubbish. Oh, there you go. Who would go and see it? If you were a fan of Diana, why would you go and see something that wasn't accurate? I don't know. I mean, it doesn't interest me. I wouldn't be remotely interested in seeing something like that, I'm afraid. it just does. I just wouldn't want to go and sit in a cinema. I wouldn't even be interested buying it on DVD. That doesn't interest me at all, actually. It's a man who's lost his nose here. You can't remember where he left it. He had a prosthetic nose and he's lost it. So he said, I'd, I'd quite like it back. So if you, if you find one, for goodness, uh, goodness sake, let us know. And then we can sort it out. Uh, two boys, aged 12, have been charged with taking part in a football riot. Two 12-year-olds. Mind you, at 12. There was a picture the other day, wasn't there? We did it on the free podcast of an actress's children, both adopted. And the 13-year-old girl, I think it was a 13-year-old girl, or she was 11. She's enormous. I mean, you'd be hard-pushed to go... Oh, she's 11, or what it was. I can't remember whose, whose children they were yesterday. Whose children was it? We looked at the picture of them, we went... There was lots of pictures of underwear people yesterday, I noticed we had. I don't know when the producer was going through one of those funny phases of, you know, this is what we'd like the girly to wear, you know, kind of thing. So all underwear pictures. We had to sort of stick them up around the studio with blue tack. It was all very embarrassing. I didn't, as you can imagine, I wasn't, I wasn't big into that at all, I'm afraid. 84850-stevedlbc.co.uk. Uh, let's have a quick, uh, quick check on some of these that are coming in now. Uh, and says, uh, I live in Clenethley. And drink there, now and again. I suddenly realise, actually, people can't spell anymore. Now and again would be N-O-W, not, not no and again. Do people leave school with no qualifications nowadays? Answer, yes. Lewis Hamilton. They've obviously tried to drum up some sort of interest in Lewis Hamilton, whereas, in fact, he was only marginally interesting to people uh, when he was with Nicole uh, the one who really doesn't know very much. She was a pussycat doll. And for that read, you were an assembled group who used to dance in a lounge, I think the Viper Lounge, and then they sort of stuck them on television. They were ghastly at the Royal Variety performance. It really was a, a, quite a lot of caterwauling. And then I saw the Saturday singing live on the television this morning, and they were roughly the same. There was, it was caterwauling. There was a couple of them singing as flat as pancakes. Flat as pancakes. Um, uh, Putin. Britain is just a small island nobody listens to. Well, yeah, might be. At least they're a lot happier than you lot are over there, sweet pea. 
don't think anybody's happy in Russia, are they? Unless, of course, they're, they're part of the mafia over there. But uh, at least we're all relatively happy over here. It'd be nice to have a, a you know, a, a, a th- I think the thing Putin needs, and he hasn't quite... A, he needs a gay radio station. That's what he needs. He needs a gay radio station, a lot of gay athletes, because uh, that's the only thing that would probably make him happy. But at the moment, he's not at all happy, and he thinks we're a little... We are a little island. We don't care being a little... We're a little island that thinks big. And that's all you need to care about. Quarter to five. This is LBC 97.3. What? LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning, everybody. 12 minutes to uh, five. It launches today. It could be bigger than the sausage roll. This was the... Story that we brought you, oh, it seems months ago now on LBC. And it's the cross between a croissant and a donut. They call it a cronut. And um, it's gone down very well in New York, where they're as fat as whales. And they'll eat anything. Apparently people were queuing for this uh, two-hour queues. Well, I mean, you'd have to be really stupid, wouldn't you, to sit there? Apparently, uh, supermodel Heidi Klum even gave a box its own seat home on a private jet... People were sleeping outside the shop to get them. They really are thick over there, aren't they? Queuing for a donut. But anyway, it's going to be sold today in that upmarket venue, Greg's. Greg's have decided to crack the recipe. In other words, they've nicked it. And so the one-pound Greg's nut, it's a blatant rip-off, of course, has been two months in development and comes in two flavours, berry or caramel pecan. And what it is, it's uh, layered pastry which is deep-fried. Hello? Hello? The warning bells are ringing, not for you fatties out there. Rolled in sugar and filled with cream. But it's deep-fried, so it's like a little... It's a donut, you know, made out of a slightly different thing, and then they fill it with cream, and it's a pound each. Probably costs them about 5p to make. About 5p, and they're selling it. But they've nicked somebody else's idea. Perhaps you can't copyright those things. But because they've actually called it a Greg's Nut... You know, and students love it. They'll eat any old turnip stuff, won't they? Any old students. They're like, do you want them to try this? Yeah, how much is it, mate? Pounds. Oh, we'll have that then. We'll have that. Perhaps it'll come as part of a deal with sort of a bacon roll and a cup of coffee or something like that. We have the, we have the, the bakery for Greg's in Twickenham. We have the bakery there. Around the, the country, they send this, uh, this sort of stuff out, and presumably these will be bought by students everywhere. They'll love them, won't they? Students like that kind of thing. But I remember when we talked about it, I just thought it was a bit of PR puff. I don't think it was any more than some bakery trying to get a lot of fat, fat Americans uh, to queue out. Nothing on earth would get me to queue outside a shop except the iPhone 5. Did you get that thing the other day? Did you get that thing the other day on the iPhone 5? Did you not? Do you read your emails? You should have read it. You need to read. We've got a bit of a surprise coming up for you on the iPhone. The, when the iPhone 3 came out, or was it the 4, I did rush home from here and I did queue in the Bentall Centre, uh, outside the Apple store. And when I got there, the queue was practically round every single floor. And so I joined the queue standing there, and then I thought, oh, I'm sorry, I've got better things to do in life. I've got much better things to do in life. So I left the queue, I just walked off and left it, which made me feel a lot better about myself. But people like queuing. The, uh, the Americans obviously like queuing for this sort of stuff. And I think um, to actually queue... For a, for a donut has got to be the saddest thing I've ever read. I can't see there being queues outside of Greg's for these things. But the Americans will queue. I mean, imagine sitting there in a queue for two hours for a deep-fried donut with a bit of cream in the middle. I just don't... I don't kind of get it, apparently. I really don't understand it. I really don't understand the excitement about things like that. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Uh, 
I said, it looks like you're in luck. Channel 4 are repeating the old series as well as broadcasting the current one of four rooms. Twice the exposure, twice the fun of your favourite TV presenter, the uber-talented Anita Rani. She of airport fame. Oh, she was dire on that. She's not much better on this. She, she's trying to develop a personality. It's not working. It's not working at all. But uh, I, I shall be watching. I do like the four rooms, but I've suddenly realised that it's, it's like the programme where they go around people's houses. I can't remember what it's called. Say, like, I open my house up and they, and they come in and I say, I'm selling this bottle of water here. And they all put little cards underneath with how much they're prepared to bid. And you've got some huge woman who's an antiques dealer or tap dealer, as I prefer to call them. And then a few other blokes as well. And some of them go way over the top and some of them don't go over the top. But I've come to the conclusion they can fiddle it between, them, between themselves. They'll just go, listen, don't, don't bid for that one. I'll, I'll bid for that one. And so people end up, but they, they give people a load of cash. At the end, you know, at the end of the today, you've made £6,700. We're going to make about £5 million on it, but you're only going to make a little bit, I'm afraid. <laughs> uh, went to see the ELO experience, says Noreen, in Dunstable last night. Terrific. First night of their tour. Anybody who gets the, uh, the chance, go see them. She says, bet you can't wait for Strictly Come Dancing. I can't help myself and I will watch. Yes, I mean, I'd, I'd rather go to see the ELO experience, the Electric Light Orchestra experience, because I should imagine that'd be quite good. I was a big fan of theirs. In fact, I was listening the other day to stuff in the car. I've got the uh, the greatest hits in the car, which is good. I'm still trying to find the Seekers song. I've only got it on a DVD of a song called We Are Australian. I sing it to myself all the time. We are young, but we are many, and through all the land of the world we come. We'll sing a wonder, we'll sing a wonder, I am, you are, we are Australian. And it's such a good song, and I don't know if they ever released it. I'll just have to go to iTunes later on today and sort of find it, because it's, I, every morning I come and I'm singing this blooming thing, it's driving me mad. It's only because I haven't got it, uh, yet. Uh, Alan says, uh, Vanessa's gastric band can't be working and she's going to do dance-related fitness video after she gets booted off. Oh, she can't even get it up to believe you me, she can't get away with that. She probably thinks it's another resurgence of her career. That's the funny thing. Uh, they may be getting a little bit desperate, says Heidi, to have Abby Clancy on Strictly Come Dancing, so there is a little bit of hope for Katie Price yet. I suppose there is, really. I mean, Abby Clancy, they, they laughingly put her down as a model. Well, I don't remember seeing any pictures of Abby Clancy modelling. They say catwalk models. She's not, not tall enough to be a catwalk model. Catwalk models are very tall, and they all look like that bird from Streatham who struts up and down and can't keep our billionaires. You know, the one who's got the nasty, vile temper. So, but that, that's the whole idea. You, you've got to be tall to be catwalk model. Somebody like Abby Clancy perhaps does catalogue work, but certainly I don't think she'd do... Uh, I don't think she'd do catwalk. catwalk. I do love the story in the paper today, although it frightens the life out of me, but again, she's terribly clever. It's a little girl called Louise Hilton. Louise Hilton goes to uh, nursery school. And anyway, uh, at nursery school, as you know... Mummy and Daddy, or just Mummy, or just sometimes Daddy, or the neighbour, comes to collect you at the end of the day. In the case of little Louise Hilton, uh, she let herself out of nursery school. There was a little gate at the back, and she, she walked out. And she walked home, half a mile, by herself, at the age of two. And when she gets home, she knocks on the door, she goes, Mummy, I'm home. She's two. Two years old. Busy roads, a roundabout, two subways and woods, narrowly avoiding a canal. She's two. Nobody stopped her on the way home at all. Nobody. Uh, on arriving home, she announced that uh, I've walked home on my own. Aren't I a big girl? Yeah, blooming well are. Two years old. Nobody noticed she'd gone. No passerby intervened, even though her route 
took her past a busy pub. I mean, there's a canal 50 yards. She might have stopped there to fit. She's two. Aren't I a clever girl? I got home. You're a bloody miracle, dear. An absolute miracle. We were stunned to see her standing there. Anyway, here we go. Um, the uh, She said so far they've not received an explanation or an apology from the uh, from this nursery. Because they're probably as surprised as everybody else. I mean, I have to be honest, I'm, I'm gobsmacked. She said, I want them to feel sickened to the stomach like I did. We could have been dealing with a tragedy. Thank God she made it home safely. The nursery declined to comment, but Ofsted is investigating. Inspectors have previously praised it for its wide range of activities and effective policies to safeguard children. Well, there you go. I mean, she managed to, she managed to make it home, so she knew the route home. Through woods, along a road, round a roundabout, at two years old. I mean, you can understand that some people will be a little bit surprised at this and probably, you know, a parent reacting, as they have done, by going, you know, anything could have happened. It could have done, but thank God it didn't. Thank God it didn't. What a clever little girl at two years old. So the forecast of rain was correct, says Diana in Richmond. My friends and I put off a trip to Leon C on hearing it yesterday. We're staying in London instead and going to the National Portrait Gallery, BP's Portrait Awards exhibition. I saw it two weeks ago. It's lovely. It's free to go in. It's literally just uh, just here. It's free. Just go there, and it's very nice. And then you must go into the natural, uh, into the uh, into the gallery itself. It's well worth. And then going to Pimlico for looking places where some of my ancestors lived. How lovely! How lovely! I tell you what, I only discovered, and it was only about a year ago, wasn't it, when I went off on one of my sojourns on a on a Sunday. We discovered as we were going round the back of, might have been Pimlico actually. And every time I see Pimlico, I think of the film Passport Two, and. Um, and there's this little row of shops, and there's a blue plaque on there. And it was the blue plaque where Kenneth Williams' dad had his hairdressing shop, and the family lived above it. And it's still a hairdressing shop now. I think it does ladies now, but in those days it would have been a, a barber's type shop. But it's got a blue plaque on it. And I remember thinking, how fantastic. Uh, eight for eight five zero, And uh, Abby Clancy is five foot nine. She just looks short next to Peter. Yeah, five foot nine. It's not tall enough to be catwalk. They're looking for the, you know, for the five, ten and aboves. And I also, when has she done catwalk? I mean, I'm sure there must be some things. But I mean, she's not known for it. She's only known for being with Peter Crouch, isn't she? Uh, another one here says, I've just woken up and turned you on. Love your wit. Cheers me up. Sets me up for the day. Well, there you go. There you go. As long as it sets you up for the day, I don't, I don't really care, actually. Um, Every child should have their own room to study in, says Michael Gove. Yeah, lovely. Not all in the rich category, I'm afraid. And um, Clint Eastwood, who split from his wife, uh, Dina, although she, as we reported on the programme yesterday, she stood up for him. Somebody was being rude about him on Twitter or something like that. She stood up for him, which is good. Uh, They all fell for David Frost, from the singer he wooed with an egg-sized diamond to the model who still wishes they'd wed. Women who loved Frost tell their very colourful stories. And here they all are. Jeanette Scott who was Thora Heard's uh, daughter, very famous in Hollywood. Uh, Jenny Logan, he was the love of her life. Carol Lindley, very, very glamorous. Bernadette Smith, uh, another one here. Uh, Diane Carroll, she ditched him before the wedding. Karen Graham, suddenly left him to marry somebody else. Alexandra Bastido, oh, we loved Alexandra Bastido. (gasps) Yes, Lynn Frederick. Um, the marriage was wrecked by her drinking. She was a druggie and a drinker, I'm afraid. And uh, the final one, from 1983, Lady Karina Fitzalan Howard. But uh, all ladies, and that's just the ones we know about. Uh, Waitrose have eaten humble pie. 
and uh, they've asked Delia to return. I'll tell you about that one in a moment. So, obviously, Pippa Middleton, is she, is she working for them? I don't know, to be honest with you. I mean, I just see them as sort of using a bit of slavish publicity. All I really want Waitrose to do is have staff on the till, especially in, in Twickenham, who don't fall asleep in front of you. They look as though they're practically comatose, our lot. They really need to kick up the rear end. But as I say, there's a lot of people in there who they just can't be bothered to talk. It's all just too tedious. Anyway, at least it's Friday. At least it's LBC. And we've got the news at five. LBC 97.3. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC 973. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning. I like Jan Moyer's column today. Uh, she's talking about Pippa Middleton, who was telling us about her crushes the other day, the dreary bore that is Pippa Middleton, who Waitrose seemed to think is some saviour, but they're going to have to go crawling back, I'm afraid, to uh, Delia Smith, um, because they, they sort of dropped her, and in fact, she's, she's the best thing that ever happened to her, and Pippa Middleton's a nobody. Just because her sister married Prince William doesn't make Pippa Middleton interesting, and so I'm afraid you've had to be bored with confessions of a sporty schoolgirl. Four. Writes Jan Moyer. She talks here about she has a good derriere for playing netball. And uh, also she talks about wearing tiny shorts and the tight speedo bathing suit. I mean, quite clearly, poor old deluded Pippa Middleton really believes she's got something to say to, to people in this country. Whereas, in fact, she's got absolutely nothing to say. Mind you, not half as bad as Jan Moyer, who has taken a lashing. Well, she's given out a lashing, actually, to, um, to the group of Oxford University athletes. The first to debra in a bid to raise funds for organisations such as the city's food banks. And uh, Jan Moyer says, It's a great cause, but yawn, put it away, love. If these girls are smart enough to get into Oxford, surely they could think up a less predictable way of making money. She says, put your pants back on, you bunch of lacrosse stick-waving show-offs. Exactly, as I said, if you want to see wobbly bottoms, here they all are in all their undefined glory, ladies and gentlemen. But she can't wait, and she must have been listening to this programme the other day, for the I Can't Sing, the X Factor musical, which opens in London next February. After the disappointment of the Spice Girls musical, Viva Forever, very short-lived forever, terrible and wag the musical, she says, the most ghastly theatre-going experience of my entire life. Exactly, starring the most ghastly Lizzie Cundy. I'm a woman with so little talent you could squeeze it into an eggshell. She says, I'm, I'm keeping my fingers and toes crossed for this one. Backed by Simon Cowell, written by Harry Hill, who we talked about on In Conversation. We talked about this, this show. It takes the mickey out of Cowell himself, and also features a song called I'm Dreaming of a Journey on My Journey to a Dream. However, she says, and here's where she must have been listening to this programme, can it be funnier than Peter Kay's two-hour talent show lampoon, Britain's Got the Pop Factor? Can anything be funnier than Geraldine McQueen, the sex-changed dinner lady from Northern Ireland, who Pete Waterman said was as good as Sonia? Kay's Channel 4 spoof, first broadcast in 2008, still makes me weep with laughter. She says, I can't sing, Shaw has a lot to live up to. But of course, that's all part of the journey. It's funny, as long as Simon Cowell's involved in it, he thinks it's great. He wasn't involved in the Peter Kay spoof, which apparently he didn't like. Well, I thought it was the most brilliant thing I'd ever seen, so I'm with Jan Moore on that one. But uh, I'll look forward to seeing the show. Very much. Sheila Hancock says, I'll never find a man who can replace my John. We've got Sheila Hancock coming in next week. Uh, for In Conversation. Today, Antonio Banderas. It'll be very interesting. He's getting up early. In fact, they might even have got him up already. 
I think he's going to be in there by about 8.30 this morning, so that'll be very nice. Uh, 84850. Somebody said here, every child should have their own room to study in. So the government are going to reverse the bedroom tax, saying children of the same gender can share a bedroom, are they? Which, of course, is absolutely hilarious. <laughs> so now they're talking about, you know, people should be allowed to share a bedroom. I shared a bedroom. Most people share bedrooms. You know, if you're growing up in a, an average family, most houses in the early days weren't four bedrooms. I think ours was... Ours was a three-bedroom house, so we were all right. But I do remember in Yorkshire, I think we only had a two-bedroom house. So it was, but it was a big room. I mean, it was really big, so it's enough room to put two two beds in and a playroom, and still room for the servants, and room outside for a pony, which was quite nice. My parents had a big room, but I'm blown if I can remember whether we had a bathroom. I was discussing this with my brother the other day. I didn't think we had a bathroom. I really didn't think. I think we had a washroom downstairs, but I do not remember a bathroom. It's not probably the best of things, is it, really? Uh, other stories in the papers for today being being, uh, being Friday and being the day that, Trisha, we go, whoopee, now the weather's on the turn, now that we're all suffering and people are saying, ooh, don't like it, only like it when it's sunny. I, frankly, have had enough of the sunshine. So for this week and next week, I think, you're going to have the rain back and it's going to rain throughout the morning. So I did bring my, bro- uh, my brother in. I did bring my brolly in. <laughs> Should have brought my brother in as well. And um, I'm very happy to do so. So I will see people today as I get off the train later on. And uh, they're going to be absolutely drenched because either they don't possess an umbrella and nobody possesses a Mac nowadays. Have you noticed? Not when I say a Mac, I mean a Macintosh. Of course, when you say Mac now, people automatically think you mean a computer, but nobody possesses one. We used to have a Macintosh at home. My mother used to have a plastic one, like a see-through, horrible plastic vial. And you'd get stand next to somebody on the bus who was wearing a Mac, and they used to smell when the weather heated up. Oh, ghastly things. But nobody does that now. People just don't see it in my stand. They're getting wet, whereas me, no way. No way. Uh, here's a, a dog here. It's in the paper now. And unfortunately, it's a case of owners who overfeed their dogs. This one was fed... I'm afraid, uh, chicken dinners. And so this dog achieved nine and a half stone. It's a Labrador. Now, Labradors, unless you keep them lean and mean, they go flabby and they look horrible. And this one went flabby and horrible. So what they've had to do is they've had to take it for walks in water. So they take him for this water therapy. And... uh, he had a, a ligament in one of the legs. They put him in the water. He's lost three and a half stone. He said when he first went in the water, he said he was puffed out after about a few minutes. Now he's done seven months in a hydrotherapy tank, even though he was too large to fit in at first. Ended up in a rescue centre after the death of his elderly owner, who almost killed her three-year-old pet with a human diet of chicken and other full-size meals. He was so heavy that uh, he actually couldn't do any walking around the park or anything like that. And it's a lesson you do see sometimes, people who take their... I've noticed, actually, that dogs end up being like their owners. If you see somebody walking down the road very slowly, the dog will be walking very slowly as well. You never see sort of a young dog bouncing off the lampposts and everything, off the walls with an elderly person. You always get an elderly person and the dog, and they both wander along very happily. You know, no particular rush in the world. But the owner of this one, unfortunately, overfed it. And uh, not too good, I'm afraid. Not too good. I can't stand this TV chef. G- is it Gizzy Erskine? She's the one who thinks she looks like Audrey Hepburn. Of course, she doesn't. And uh, she's not very good at all. I just, you know, there are certain people, I think, all of a sudden, they're looking for somebody on television to turn into a celebrity. And so they go, oh, you'll be the celebrity. They had a woman on the BBC who started doing the Attenborough-type programmes. Well, I just didn't watch her. 
as far as I'm concerned, Attenborough is the only person who does those sort of programmes. The moment somebody else encroaches on their, their territory, I get very angry about the whole thing, I'm afraid. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Uh, another one here. This is, uh, this is from... Somebody else saying, exactly saying, queuing for a bun, the Americans are doughnuts. Yes, at two hours they were queuing. In fact, we had pictures in the paper. I assumed it was a PR exercise where somebody had given the agency some pictures of a lot of people sitting on the pavement, mainly because they're too fat in America to do anything. I mean, they really are, it's the only place you'll ever see enormous people because their portions are huge. I mean, they, they really, they're absolutely enormous. I bought a sandwich yesterday at the station. I was going to eat it on the train, but then in the end I didn't. And it was ham and cheese. Well, I had a choice. I ate it when I got home. That's kind of set me up for the morning. I'm still trying to wean myself off bread. It's not easy, I'm afraid. It really isn't easy, but I'm sort of... I'm getting there slowly but surely. I'm I'm sort of trying to cut back. Um, As a new film explores the deep yet often awkward bond between fathers and sons, Quentin Letts has uh, revealed about what kissing my dad on his deathbed taught me about being a loving father. It's very interesting, isn't it? When you... We, we don't do death very well. He said, once I reached adulthood, we never even touched. And I would think that was probably fairly indicative of most young people nowadays, depending on what sort of family you come from. I don't think I had that sort of contact with my father. You know, you're right. You, 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 and in fact, I'm sure he said at one point, when I went to kiss him goodnight before I went to bed, I think he said, perhaps we'll have to stop this. And sort of just, sh- and I thought perhaps we're going to shake hands or something before we go to bed, you know. Good night, Dad, you know, kind of thing. And also, I used to call him Daddy, and so we went from Daddy to Dad. And uh, and then, but there was no sort of affection. And I don't, I'm not sure, and Quentin Letts says exactly the same. Once I reached adulthood, he said, we never touched. There was no sort of affection, no, I don't do that with my brother either. You know, you do it to your mum, but you don't do it to your dad, do you? Because it's not seen as, not seen as, as butch. Although whether you might be, might be disagreeing, I've seen parents and, and their kids who are still very, very touchy, touchy, feely, feely. We weren't really. We weren't. Even even my mother on her deathbed, we weren't. We weren't sort of touchy, touchy, feely, feely. It, it kind of becomes a little bit, a little bit unnatural. I think you might think differently, but the the, the, the Quentin Let's article it's, it's very, very interesting. Very interesting. He said, "Is there something to be said for the stiff upper lip?" And the answer is no, because once you lose people. You know, when you lose somebody who's sort of dear to you, um, you sort of think, oh, I wish I'd done this, wish I'd done that. You know, all the things that you think you're going to say after somebody dies, you do say to yourself. You do think that maybe you should have done this. I wish I'd done that. I wish I told her that. I wish I told him that. And that's the, that's the way it goes. But we don't do it. We're not very good at expressing ourselves when it comes to, uh, to death, I'm afraid. So perhaps it'll change. I was talking the other day about chemotherapy. And somebody wrote to me and said, I'm undergoing chemotherapy at the moment. And you're quite right. You have to have hope, even though, you know, your hair falls out, you feel sick, you don't feel... It's, it's the best that we've got on offer. And if you can get through the chemotherapy, then, uh, then it's, it, it's good. But you have to stick with it. You know, it's like having all sorts of procedures in hospital. Nobody wants to have them done. There's no, no easy way of having it done. But if it's going to save your life... You go for it. You put up with the discomfort because at least afterwards you can then say, well, at least I tried it. At least I tried it. 14 minutes past uh, five is the time. Ferrari and the team. After the news at seven o'clock this morning, two teaching unions prepare to strike this autumn. They could be asking what's wrong with performance-related pay and why are a fifth of women not reporting rapes? The answer used to be because the police weren't used to dealing with things like that. But I believe down at... 
In fact, I'm pretty certain that down at Brentford, they've actually got a rape suite, you know, where people are sympathetic and people will, will treat it seriously. I think the truth of the matter is a lot of women aren't sure whether or not it is rape. But if you're in any doubt, you go to the police. That's what they're there for, and they'll, they'll refer you to the right, uh, the right people. Plus, Nick will be speaking to the star of a very exciting new play. Looking at the papers today, Isabel Hardman, editor of Coffee House, The Spectator blog, will be in looking at the papers for today. I was just actually talking of looking at the papers. I, I like to go through, because w- when you get to the weekend, they start doing all the adverts for all the shows coming up in the West End. Not the big West End shows like Wicked or Les Miserables or something like that, but, um, but people like uh, Boyzone, who are touring again. Those are the ones with Ronan Keating. Ronan Keating, the karaoke singer, as Louis Walsh describes. A bit harsh, I thought. We all thought that was a bit harsh. But they're doing their anniversary tour. Anniversary of what? I've got no idea. But they've only got six dates, I think. Six or eight dates. Plus uh, Elvis live on stage. If you've never seen Elvis, this is the closest thing that you'll ever get to see. It's uh, the newest production from Graceland coming in. 2014, and I, th- I think what it is, because I've, I've seen another one of these Elvis shows where they've got Elvis on the screen, but the band is live on the stage. I think probably that's how this one is. Crosby, Stills and Nash are touring this year, 8th and 9th of October at the Royal Albert Hall. Uh, and believe it or not, they're selling tickets for The X Factor 2014. I don't even know who's going to be in it. And already they're selling tickets for this pile of rubbish. And, uh, and they've got a number of dates booked in, in February and March. Plus... Who else is... This will direct from the USA. You'll enjoy this one if you like. This kind of music. The Four Tops, The Temptations, Frida Payne and The Platters. Unbelievable. I'll tell you who else is touring. Mike and the Mechanics. Everybody's touring, aren't they? The Stylistics, Chris Christopherson uh, and uh, Earth, Wind and Fire. But the one for me, The Hollies. Well, I don't know who's going to be singing in the Hollies. I mean, they don't have their lead singers anymore, do they? Carl Wayne died, sadly. And uh, the other one before that is, isn't well enough. So they, they've got a list of all their hits. But certainly, I don't know who's going to be singing with, with the Hollies. Plus, Jesse J is touring. Delamitri. I can't remember if I like Delamitri. I, I, perhaps I do, actually. Lisa Stansfield. Hanson. Five. Five are touring. But there's only four of them. Because one didn't go. So they're, they're appearing throughout November... And um, and then they've got some in December as well. They're appearing in some quite big places. You know, the uh, Cardiff Motorpoint Arena. I wouldn't have thought there was enough interest in five, is there? The full greatest hits, full headline show, they say. I suppose they've got to capitalise on that programme where they brought back all those groups uh, from before. The Whalers, obviously minus Bob Marley. Not quite as exciting, I have to be honest. Jamie Cullum and somebody called Caro Emerald. You know who Caro... Uh, do you? Oh, right. I don't know anybody who was on yesterday's programme at all. It's very good. Very good. She looks a bit like Paloma Picasso or something like that. She's very sort of glamorous. Sorry? Paloma Faith. No, Paloma Picasso. Yeah, you don't know who that is, do you? I like, uh, I like throwing in words he doesn't know. Diversity are featuring as well. Now created by Ashley Banjo. They have to put that down like it makes some sort of difference. I, to be honest with you, I wouldn't want to see that much dancing on stage. I'd lose the will to live. And Leanne Rimes is touring. Ellie Goulding... I like Jamie Cullum. I like Jamie Cullum a lot, actually. There's something nice about Jamie Cullum. I can't, I can't quite put my finger on it, but I, I love it. Uh, Laurence Olivier hated his co-stars, we are told, and they loads him right back. You're spoiled, petulant and impossible to work with. That probably counts for an awful lot of people, doesn't it? Uh, if you're working with somebody on stage. And uh, now, according to the Express, scientists have isolated the protein responsible for causing arthritis. This hopefully could provide relief for millions of people 
In fact, uh, the breakthrough will make it easier to develop drugs to combat the agonising condition. Also could lead to a cure for a host of other chronic problems, including inflammatory bowel syndrome, Crohn's disease and psoriasis, which apparently together all of those affect about 11 million people. I hope to God they do it soon. It's, it's no good telling us about it now. It's almost like dangling the carrot in front of you, saying there will be a cure for arthritis. And you go, oh, I do hope so. I've been suffering with it for absolutely ages and ages. Um, this uh, this film, the Diana film, it's it's not uh, not doing very not doing very well. But they've got the panorama interview, the one where Diana sat there and sort of said, "Well, basically, there were three in our relationship." It was the first time it had ever been done. I was a bit surprised by that. Then Charles did his one, and and it was quite clear that you know the falling out of love was sort of it was never there to start with. But Lady Pamela Hicks daughter of Earl Mountbatten, and is Prince Philip's cousin, and has made the remarks in an interview. She's taught uh, this scathing attack on Diana. She said she had enormous charisma, she was beautiful, she was very good at empathy with the general crowd, and she had no feeling at all for her husband or his family. She was really spiteful, really unkind to him. The marriage destroyed him. Now he's blossomed again. He was having an affair, darling, all the way through. He was with Camilla Parker Bowles, who was still married to Andrew. She was given the Queen's favourite lady-in-waiting, Sue Hussey, to help her, but she didn't want to be told anything. That's boring, Sue, she'd say. Instead, she wanted to listen to her music and go disco dancing. She reckoned she was the star. Well, to be honest with you, she was the blooming star in the royal family. I mean, come on, Lady Pamela. Even you must realise that the only person who was, who was more famous than her was God. You know, the one thing that you can always say about Diana, and whether you would like it or not, unfortunately, it's, it's a fact... Thirty million pounds worth was spent on flowers for her funeral. The crowds lined them ten deep. For the Queen Mothers, hardly anything. For Princess Margaret, nothing. Diana was the star of the family. Whether you like it or not, whether you like it or not, the facts are there. The hard facts. She was the most popular member of the royal family. This country and overseas spent thirty million pounds buying flowers for a woman they didn't even know. You know, she was beautiful. She was very good with the general crowd. You know, she probably did love her husband to start with, but as he was cheating on her all the way through the marriage, I mean, eventually, she mu- it must have kind of got to her. And she didn't want to go disco dancing. What was she supposed to do? Sit at home and twiddle her thumbs while he was off with Camilla? I mean, come on, woman, for goodness sake. I mean, you know, we know there's such a thing as sort of loyalty within the ranks, but, you know, when you're sort of, you're so blinkered, you don't know, it's a bit embarrassing. She wasn't cruel at all, and she was the star. You know, when, when she... Uh... When she sort of went out, I dropped a bit of chocolate on me now. Um, when she went out, the crowds were there for her. It was as simple as that. They weren't there for Charles. They didn't want to see Charles. When she went abroad, they weren't interested in Prince Charles. They were interested in Diana all the way through. It's the weekend in Abu Dhabi, and as ever, I'm on duty with a three-year-old and the one-year-old, says Matt. He says, your show is a vital part of the modern parents' course of imbuing your children with the healthy cynicism of celebrity. Yes, I agree, actually. I agree totally. And uh, when I was growing up, says Brian, I lived in a street with a lot of Jewish families. I noticed how tactile Jewish dads were with their sons. This was at a time when non-Jewish boys shook hands with their fathers. Oh, dear shake. I remember seeing Prince Charles arriving back when he was a little boy. He'd arrived back from Gordonston or sent off to Gordonston, whatever it was. And, and he shook hands with his father. So we then assumed that was obviously the kind of thing that uh, the people are supposed to uh, know about. Uh, Gary says... I was hoping for this nice weather to continue for a little longer. He said, I'm off to Boscombe today, as I'll be doing my first sea swim triathlon tomorrow. 
hoping, though, that I uh, will also recover a little bit more from a chest and throat infection, which I somehow managed to get. All next week, I'm at Hyde Park volunteering for the Triathlon World Championships final. I'll be taking part myself on the Saturday. He says, I do believe they're transforming Trafalgar Square for this massive event. Oh, fantastic. I like it when they do things in Trafalgar Square. I always sort of, I always sort of walk past there in the morning and think, oh, that's it, I like that. I do. I can't believe I've dropped chocolate on the blooming, on the blooming shirt. I'm not going to get the thing off. It's not like a little bit of chocolate, it's like a huge bit of chocolate. Might have to take the shirt off in a minute. Brace yourselves, brace yourselves. Uh, Richard says, on the, uh, on the hollies... Because I was curious. He says, we're going to see them in October. The lead singer who took over from Carl Wayne and Alan Clark about five years ago is Peter Hallworth. And he's given the band a new lease of life, writing new songs and producing two new albums. He specialises in acoustic versions of the classic Holly songs such as Sandy. And it's well worth a listen. So there you go. Yes, Carl Wayne I knew uh, quite well. And of course, we, his wife, Miss Diane from Crossroads. Lovely Susan Hansh- Hansen. Susan Hansen? Uh, was in a while ago for our in-conversation. Loved her. Shocked when Carl Wayne died. Shocked when he died. Absolutely. And uh, Diana says, I think I'd better get one of those new donuts from our new Greg's in Richmond for my picnic today, purely for research purposes. Purely for research purposes, of course. I shall report later. You don't go to Greg's in Richmond. Good Lord. It's going to take the area down, isn't it? You don't have students around there. <laughs> and Junior up in Glasgow says, Kevin is a glowing example of sticking with the treatment. Yes, absolutely. You have to stick with the treatment. It's the only way to do it. It's the only way. Stick with the treatment. If you've got chemo or everything like that, you really... Oh, my God. Um, you really have to stick with it. It's not pleasant. It's not great. So you have to stick with it. Uh, they've got a new coin, which is coming out now. It's a £20 coin. Got to be careful with it. You don't lose these things. Blimey, bad enough with the other ones. But uh, there's only going to be 250,000 struck. The £5 coin sold out in five days. Shane Bissett of the Royal Mint said, it's a beautiful work of art and at a price more people can afford. So it's a £20 coin, but you won't just find one in your pocket. Unless you're handing over a £50 note, I should imagine. It's got St George and the Dragon. It's silver, just over an inch in diameter. It's not very big, is it, for a £20 cup? I'm slightly perturbed by this. I better start going through. And uh, shocking levels of salt in the butter. And I suppose we're actually supposed to be now looking out for salt in everything, aren't we? Just making sure that we don't, we don't take too much of it. It's LBC 97.3. Uh, steve at lbc.co.uk. It's now four five thirty. LBC 97.3. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC 973. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning, everybody. 27 minutes to 6. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. It's LBC 97.3. It's interesting. Sheila Hancock, she's obviously got some interview coming out, but uh, she's talking, I think, in, in Good Housekeeping, and she says here, at the age of 80... I tell you they offered me the other day, and I had to say no, and I'll tell you the reason why I said no in a, in a moment. But Sheila um, says she isn't ready to retire. She says her days spent writing books and appearing on TV are just the ticket. She said, I'd be bored if I didn't work. See, that's the, that's the trick to it, isn't it? The trick is. Anyway, so yesterday they, they phoned me, because today I've got Antonia Banderas to do. And they offered me Bill Maynard. Now, Bill Maynard was in Last of the Summer Wine. And, and I thought, and I thought... He'd be quite a good guest for in conversation, so I immediately checked him out on the internet. Unfortunately, he's got a he's got a mobility scooter, 
And the studio, I know it's going to sound daft, they're not really geared up for getting a mobility scooter in. Because I think he's 89 or something. So I wrote back to the producer and said, he's 89, lovely though it is. I just don't think it's it's going to work. So I had to say no, which was a shame because I, he's, he's been an actor and a, and a comedian for a long, long time. He was in Last of Some Wine, he left that and he'd done loads of other things before. And I thought, I thought he'd gone to live in France, but he's, he's back living, I think, in Leicestershire. So it meant he'd have to come into the building, we'd have to get him up in the lift. These mobility scooters, I don't know if we can get them in the big lifts. And so a bit of a problem there, but never mind, never mind. So maybe another time. 25 minutes to six. Now, this weekend's In Conversation is taken over by... The Silver Screen. I shall be talking to two actors who are no stranger to the red carpet. Although actor Killian Murphy is hardly what you would call a lovey, as he told me himself. No, I'm just not very good at that stuff. Um, <laughs> would you like to be? No, um, I don't know. No. Just, it's something I love and I I'm, feel very lucky to be able to do. And, and then if you find yourself in the position to do something, you, you would try and do it to the best of your ability, I suppose. And um, that's what I try to do. And I like the immersive nature of it. You know, when you do... Yeah sort of go deep and disappear and sort of check out from reality for for a few months and that is always kind of appealing i think actors enjoy that and maybe it it, uh, affects our ability to live in reality i'm not sure but it's nice to be able to check out sometimes i tell you the one thing you notice with killian murphy his eyes his eyes he's got the most amazing eyes that's why i think the camera loves him his eyes you're just sort of strangely drawn to his eyes he's got such a striking look such a striking look lives in i think he lives around queen's park actually uh, because we were talking about i said i used to live there many many years ago when i first moved up to london uh, now, now he'll be with me this sunday morning for in conversation plus of course Antonio Banderas. We're going to be talking to him later on today. He's got a new film out. It's a cartoon. He's behind it. You know, he presents this film and he's got one of the voices in it, together with, I think, Julie Walters, uh, David Walliams. There's all sorts of big British names who uh, they persuaded to do this film. And it's it's really good. It's really good. It's, it's, a, it's a nice story of knights and fighting. And it's in 3D. And if you haven't said, I'm, I've sort of, I have become a bit of a convert to 3D. I don't think I want to sit at home watching 3D. I don't think so, but I don't mind watching it in the cinema. And the glasses we had the other day were quite big glasses. Because years ago, they were sort of red and green, I think. That's what we used to get. Nowadays, of course, it's far more sophisticated. You look at the glasses, you wouldn't know. But you put them on, and everything leaps out of the screen. It doesn't so much leap out of the screen in this. It's the whole thing. It's sort of done as, as 3D. So you look like you're sort of looking through a picture frame in this in this particular Antonio Banderas presentation. I'm looking forward to talking to him because he's appeared on stage. He sings. He's done lots of things. So uh, that'll be nice. He's in town, I think, just purely to promote the the film, which is uh, which is great. So I'm very much looking forward to talking to him this morning. And then, of course, being Friday, we can all uh, we can all disappear for the weekend and go, yeah, put your feet up. Unfortunately, put your feet up if you're outside with an umbrella because it's wet today. And I think it's going to run for for most of it, I'm afraid. For most of the weekend, I think you're going to get uh, weather. I nearly choked on my tea, says Annie, when you said that Antonio Banderas is coming in. What's what's happening? Will you be doing an in-conversation? Yes. I'm his biggest fan, but not in the Kathy Bates misery kind of way, I promise. He's such a nice man. How I envy you. Yes, I bumped into another friend of mine the other day. She went, you're not talking to Antonio. She said, you're really not talking to Antonio Banderas. I said, yes, I'm really talking. And I will be as close as, I should be closer to him than I am to the producer. 
because I don't like to get... We don't do touchy-touchy. Yeah, we don't do touchy-touchy kind of, you know, tactile stuff. But Antonio Banderas, I will. And it's amazing. All the ladies are going, Antonio Banderas. He's a little bit younger than I am, as you can well imagine. But uh, he's in town at the moment. So I'm looking forward to uh, talking. And uh, Howard says, after I had a haircut, the barber said, did, I, did you want something for the weekend? That's what they used to say at barbers. They go, well, something for the weekend, sir. And that generally meant you were buying a packet of things. And uh, so I said, oh, yes. So he gave me a brown paper bag for my shopping. It's quite nice, isn't it? But that's, what you, that's the only place you could buy them. You couldn't go into the chemist, could you, to buy stuff like that? And it was only for the weekend. <laughs> Lucky to get it that often. Anyway, um, also the paper today, the amazing Mrs Globetrotter. Who is this? Julia Morley. Now, the name might ring a bell, because Julia Morley, together with her, her husband, Eric, uh, used to run Miss World. Now, when we first started doing Miss World in this country, it was OK. And then people went, no, it's like a cattle market. And I can remember... Uh, I think it was at the Royal Albert Hall. Feminists got in at the very top of the building and threw bags of flour down over the contestants. I mean, to be honest with you, you look back at it and you think it's quite funny. At the time, I don't think it was seen as being particularly funny, but it, it was very interesting. It's, but anyway, she, she, uh, she talks about the beauty contest. She still runs it. It's hugely popular everywhere except this country. We aren't, we aren't remotely interested in Miss World. I think most people see it here as a little bit dated. It's it's the kind of thing that you think that's okay, but I mean, isn't it just like a little bit of little bit of nothing, I'm afraid? Uh, Waitrose welcoming back Delia, as reported exclusively on this programme. Uh, just a month after she got the chop, Britain's favourite cook is a key ingredient again for Waitrose. She was axed in January, leaving Heston Blumenthal to be the face of the brand, and we do like Heston Blumenthal. He's so, he's so enthusiastic about everything. He really is. He's an absolute delight. Anyway, Delia, 72, was leaving to pursue other projects, they said. But uh, yesterday she brought her Delia Online Cookery School to the chain's online TV channel. She's going to give 40 lessons and filming 40 technique videos. So that's good for her. Again, somebody who shows uh, no sign in slowing down at all, Delia Smith. Back with the Waitrose, where she belongs, I think. Where she belongs. Other stories in the paper today. Here's that a picture of. Oh, it's, they always do sort of little little things on what people can't live without. And I don't know what you would put on your list of things that you can't live without. Mine would have to be my phone. I could not live without my telephone. The reason is it's got all my numbers in it. It's got everything. And you can use it all over the world. I just, I just could not live without that. I couldn't live without... My television. I couldn't live without my halogen cooker because it cooks very quickly. I couldn't live without... Um, I could definitely live without the producer. I, uh, I could... What else could I... Know? The funny thing is, I, um, I couldn't live without a car. Well, I mean, I, I mean, with all these things, you probably can. It's just that you choose not to. So I couldn't live without the car. Um, I couldn't live without... I do like Costco, but, I mean, I could live without it. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I couldn't live without my, my godchildren. I could when they were younger, because you can take them or leave them. When they get a bit older, it's OK, it's okay because then they become adults and they can go out and they can eat in restaurants and they know how to behave. And I can have conversations with my godchildren now where we can talk about adult things, because they're, they're, they're adult. Well, I mean, everybody except the youngest, who's nine, but, I mean, she's as good as, because she's been brought up in a family where they talk about everything. They don't have any... There's no hang-ups. Nobody has it. So they, they ask me things, and I tell them things, and we have a very open relationship, which is actually quite, quite good. Uh, but uh, in this particular case, this is a woman here who has four children called Jude, 
India, Cassius and Coco. They sound like puppies, don't they, really? She's married to a, a music manager called Steve Morton. Her name is uh, Joe Wiley. She lives in Northamptonshire. Poor soul, honestly. Somebody's got to. And uh, what, what could she not uh, live without? The radio. You see, I just take that as standard. I mean, you know, it's obviously if you're in radio. She couldn't live without the gym. Oh, how dull. She couldn't live without a fountain pen. She's got a Mont Blanc fountain pen. I've got a fountain pen, and uh, you've got a Le Bureau next door, haven't you? Le Bureau. She couldn't live without latte. Well, that's just pretentious. And she couldn't live without a photo book. Funny, I don't... I, I wish that we did all take pictures every day of our life. I wish we had somebody around us who could always take photographs, because then you've got that record of your life, because otherwise you've got no idea, have you? I feel sorry, because in our early... We've got scrapbooks and uh, photo albums go back years in our family, and, and we keep stuff like this. Uh, thank heavens for the, uh, for the cooler weather. As I was walking to work yesterday in Twickenham, I stopped off at the Barclays cash machine... Uh, and I'm sure I saw a young man looking very much like you in a pair of Ray-Bans and a short sleeve shirt walk by me at 8.20. Probably not. You looked cooler than me, whilst I had steam coming off me as I had full double cuffs. Oh, dear, ghastly. No, not at 8.20 you wouldn't have done. Definitely not. Definitely not. Uh, 8 for 8 for... Oh, that's nice. Aidan says, I've just booked tickets for your magic show. Will I get some chocolate this time? <laughs> we ran out of chocolate last time. Yes, all right, I'll guarantee it for you. I'll guarantee it for you. Uh, 8 for 8, 5, oh. stevedlbc.co.uk. And uh, Mary says, I'm surprised at you. A mobility scooter stands on your way. Why don't you go and interview the man? I'd, I'm afraid I can't go all the way to Leicestershire, dear. It's just not possible. Just not physically. Um, it wasn't last than someone. It was heartbeat. He was clawed. Well, clothed. Both, both brilliant programmes. I still watch them, actually. I still watch them. I read a horrifying article recently, Kerry Katona, Steve, stating she's going to star in a West End musical about Marilyn Monroe called, I think, Norma Jean. This cannot be. No, I mean, I think it won't happen either. It's the same bloke who brought you Wag the Musical, otherwise known as the biggest disaster in the West End's history. You know, a bigger pile of rubbish you'd be hard pushed to find. And, uh, and he said Kerry Katona would be the ideal person to play Marilyn Monroe. And I thought, well, if you seriously think putting Lizzie Cundy on a stage is anybody's idea of heaven, then you're sadly mistaken when it comes to Kerry Katona. There's no chance that Kerry Katona will be starring on that. She can't sing for a start, and she certainly can't act. Uh, 84850, uk, And uh, Christine says, I'm taking you with me. We're going on holiday. Fantastic. Where are we going to? I like that. So I'm, I'm going in the bag for the, uh, for the holiday. And uh, somebody says, I'm going to fly to New York just to get a free donut. There you go. Uh, 84850, uh, Prince Charles was involved with Camilla from, a, from an early age. They should have been allowed to marry then. Diana would have been happy with her life. Yes, I mean, it's... To be honest with you, though, she was married to Andrew Parker Bowles. They both got married. It, it was one of those not deemed to be particularly successful. But there are, again, Princess Margaret was off with Roddy Llewellyn and various other people on islands, taking them there. I've got a picture, actually, somewhere. A Princess Margaret surrounded by two naked men on an island. I think it must have been Mustique. She went there all the time. There were two naked men on the island. I mean, it was a little bit hedonistic, I suppose. The kind of thing... I mean, I certainly wouldn't do that. Uh, I have put the cold water on the shirt, and I've... I've reduced it down a little bit. I might have to put some soap on there earlier and probably take the shirt off. Hold back. Brace yourselves. I might have to go and stand in the loo later on. Take my shirt off. Just, knowing my luck, I'll take my shirt off and somebody will walk in. 
terribly bad to have to cover yourself up like that. I don't know why. Cold water on your shirt, Steve. A lot of people are saying they, they, they can't wait to get these, these donuts from, from Greg's. These are the ones that people are queuing for two hours for over in New York. I just think it's, it's all it is. It's a deep-fried croissant-type donut filled with cream. Sounds horrid, actually. It does sound like it sounded. It sounded nice the first time I described it. The second time I described it, I didn't like the sound of it at all. Fourteen minutes to six. LBC ninety-seven point three. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning. Ten to six is the time. Apparently, Miss World is in Jakarta, in Indonesia this year, in about three weeks' time, for the second year running, hosted by Mylene Class. I thought you'd enjoyed knowing that, says Professor Jonathan Shallot, who loves his five godchildren. Five. You see, it starts working out expensive, Jonathan, doesn't it? It starts working out expensive. Five. You see, I mean, I've got three, plus my brother's got two, so that's five presents that you have to buy. And then another friend of mine, well, in fact, actually, somebody in this building, I don't want to sort of go into it too much, said, uh, you know, would you like to be godfather to my son? No, I wouldn't. I don't want any more, thank you. No more godchildren at all. Because five must cost a bit. It's OK. What age, though, do you stop buying presents for godchildren? When they're young, you have to do it. Now, they really want money. Money is... But the trouble is, I think giving money to somebody at Christmas and, uh, and events like that is, is a little bit difficult, because I always think to myself, it shows a lack of imagination, but that's what they want. It's pointless buying my brother presents, because he doesn't really want presents. He's got everything he needs. He just wants hard cash. Another friend of mine, all she wants is hard cash. <laughs> it's disgraceful, really, isn't it? I wish I could have said that when I was younger, but five godchildren. I bet you're good at... Rem- See, I can't remember their birthdays, either. I have to wait till their mum phones me and goes, don't forget, it's Charlotte's birthday this weekend. And I immediately, because I always keep, I'm quite good, actually, I keep cards at home, generic cards. They just say either happy birthday, have a lovely day, or it's just a pretty picture on the front. And then I, I tend to stick 20 quid in a card. You know, because I don't know how much you're supposed to put in. Nobody gives you a guide nowadays to what you're supposed to send to somebody for their birthday. So I think, I mean, she's 18, and what she really needs to do is put petrol in the car. So for petrol, you need cash, because she doesn't have a credit card, as far as I know. And so I think, is, is 20 quid OK to put in a card for an 18-year-old? But then you see, I put 20 quid in a card for, for Nathan. And then you think, does that look a bit mean? I remember going to a Greek wedding once, and <laughs> I've never been to a Greek wedding before. And there is this traditional thing in a Greek wedding where they come and pin money on the bride's dress. So I pinned £20. I thought I'd be quite good. There's people putting hundreds of pounds on. The bride's... The, the, yes, the, the, the son's family, who put on the wedding, had got £50 notes. I'll, I'll tell you in a minute how many. £50 notes, and they'd stitched them all together, and it came in at the size of a toilet roll. And so, literally, she was draped with £50. £15,000 worth of £50 notes. And my little £20 note sitting on the dress looked a bit silly. Because nobody told me. I didn't know what to put. I mean, I was going to put a fiver on. I, would, I mean, I, I thought, I don't know how much you give for a wedding. It's just, in, in the end, she ended up with, I think, £30,000 worth of money on the dress. I mean, I'd have mugged her if I'd had the opportunity to get the dress in the car. £30,000, including this toilet roll of £50 notes, which trailed behind her. It was just unbelievable. So I don't know what you're supposed to give to kids nowadays. It's very... At Christmas time, we used to have, when I was younger, as I said the other day, we would... um, 
we would have a limit to how much we could spend. You know, our parents would say, we're going to spend, quite a long time ago, Jonathan, as you can appreciate, £25 for your Christmas present. Then you'd have lots of little presents. Not lots, but, you know, a few, few little presents around there. Now, kids get computers. I mean, Charlotte got a car for Christmas. Admittedly, the insurance on it is about the price of the car as well. And uh, they've had computers, they've had phones. But you cannot just buy a child one item now. That just looks ridiculous. Otherwise, you've got one present under the tree. I mean, we've had it where the whole sitting room is covered in presents. Because if you've got three children, there's going to be a lot of presents and they, they want clothes and stuff. And some of it is just stuff that they need for school or whatever it happens to be or for college. Nowadays, as I say, it's, it's money. But I, I just wish I knew. I wish I knew how much money to give to somebody. So I'm glad you told me about the uh, Miss World being in Jakarta. I can see Jonathan Shalit going to that. I don't know why. I just can. I was looking through his stable of stars the other day. He's got a little book. I lost it, actually. I lost it. One minute I had it, then I, I sort of looked through all the people that he's got. He's got people who we mention on this programme and people who we don't mention on this programme, <laughs> which always provides the... Uh, the, the amusement, I think, for all of us. I was going to check my star sign today, because the other day it said, you're going to be having a relationship with somebody very soon. I thought, oh, God, and I hope not. don't like that kind of thing. But it says, a cheerful alliance with one person can give you a real buzz. Might it be romantic? They're running with this romantic theme in my star signs all week, and I'm not, I'm not wild about it, I'm afraid. I'm not wild. You know, you get to a certain age, and to be honest with you, a cup of tea and a biscuit would go down better, or maybe one of those Greg donuts. But, I mean, the idea of, you know, a romantic... Might it be romantic? Oh, God. Shouldn't have to avoid anybody who starts sort of, you know, looking as though they're going to be romantically inclined. Don't want to do that kind of stuff, do we? Uh, we Are Australian uh, was released as a single by EMI Australian, says Paul in Manchester, but in 1997. But as far as I know, not on an album written by Bruce Woodley. Several versions on YouTube available or was on the Australian iTunes store as my friend Kevin now resident in Thailand, purchased it a few years ago while spending two months in Sydney. Very catchy song. Yes, it was, it, was, it was a very catchy... It's a lovely song to sing to, it really is. On a serious note, he said, uh, I only caught yesterday's show on podcast, and after much talk of Diana Dawes earlier on in the week, you were mentioning her cancer fight. And quite rightly, you mentioned, ladies and gentlemen, checking themselves out for symptoms. But could I mention the strain of that disease that killed my mum, Diana Dawes and Alma Cogan? Ovarian cancer has almost no early symptoms, apart from generally feeling sick and bloated. As a rule of thumb, if any ladies have those feelings for more than a couple of weeks, good idea to have yourself checked out. Recovery rates are good if caught early, but easy to just put the symptoms down to looking after family and overworking. Anyway, he says, uh, wishing everybody a good weekend. I'm forsaking X Factor tomorrow night for the last night of the proms. For me, always a sign that Christmas is a coming. Oh, love last night of the proms. There was that Malcolm Sargent line from the last night of the proms years ago. He said, it's so wonderful to see all the promenaders here. You know, how they, how they make it in the ballot, I'll never know, but they were there year in, year out. There used to be a man with spectacles who would be in the audience and conduct the orchestra at the same time. Him you wanted to kill. But anyway, and he said, it's so marvellous to see all, all the promenaders here when earlier on in the day, they were ripping up railway carriages because it was always a bit of a yobby thing. But people loved it. Last night of the proms, I agree with you. That's the only thing that, you know, together with the Festival of Remembrance, that makes me feel so proud to be British. I don't care whether Putin thinks we're, we're a little country. I don't care. We might be a little country, but at least we're, we're happier than a lot of the people who live in his place. You know, over there they've got misery, freezing cold winters, serious alcohol problems, and, uh, and, and no money. And people living in dilapidated post-war blocks. You know, that's why, I'd given the choice, here or there, here wins every time, I'm afraid, Mr Putin. Every single time. 
Philip says, when we were very young, my dad put me in a Christmas club. Six old pence a week. <laughs> Which is lovely. Uh, and Dee says, I put a tenner till they're 16 to 18. Then it's up to 20 plus gifts on 18th, 21st. After 21, don't know. After 21, don't know. See, I don't know. When does it stop? When does it stop? I don't know. And uh, Dee says, give Antonio Banderas my love and my phone number. <laughs> it's amazing how many people... Just because I've got Antonio Banderas coming in for in conversation, we don't need this kind of thing, really. I'm sure... He's still married, isn't he, to Melanie Griffiths. She's nice as well, but I can't remember what I know her from. What do I know Melanie Griffiths from, apart from films? Been together quite a while, haven't they? Okay. Perhaps I'll talk to you about that. I couldn't live without my uh, art materials, LBC, <coughs> uh, camera, family, books, sunshine, flat. You can only have five things. You can't have all these things. Barbecues, lush cakes, long socks, aromatherapy, bath with candles, walks in the woods and by the sea, cats, and much, much more, says Connie. You cannot have all of those things. Only five. Only five. You can't, um... You- you can't have any more than that, I'm afraid. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Another one here. Amazing how many Antonio Banderas fans there are. Uh, apparently, the French restaurant Aubaine sells the donuts. Uh, I had one on the weekend, then had another one. And then another one. And uh, Alan says, yesterday on the show... You said if anybody watched the webcams on The Breakfast Show to let you know the change in the studio. Did anybody notice? Because your producer hadn't. The thing you, that appears in the studio when call Clegg and ask Boris. Yeah, the big window. The window vanishes in the studio. Well, for some reason, we don't, we don't show the window. And so behind them, we've got hooks in the ceiling. And they hang this huge, takes about four people to manhandle it in here. This huge board which covers the entire window. Nobody noticed it. Producer had not the faintest idea what I was talking about. Now, this morning, he now knows. He now knows. Grant says, I'm off to Sydney next Monday. Any tips how to deal with jet lag? Sleep all the way over. Works a treat for me every time. News at six is next. It's LBC. LBC 97.3. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC 973. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning, everybody. Five past six. It's Friday. Thank goodness for Friday. We love Friday. Uh, Marie-Louise says, I work for Mecca and Miss World, all for charity. Uh, I believe it's traditional on a milkman's 50th birthday, July 22nd next year, to send him a birthday card with a blank sign check from the Steve Allen checkbook. He said, oh, just an unrelated question. Uh, there is two ones in million, is there? Yes. <laughs> I'd love to do that. I always wanted to surprise somebody on their birthday and sort of give them a thousand pounds for their birthday and go, no, seriously, have it. Yeah. Unfortunately, the, the, the producer's constantly, it's constantly going on about, you know, sort of what are you going to buy me for my birthday? And I always go, same as last year, just more of it. Because uh, last year I bought him nothing. So there'll be, uh, you know, there's no, I, I don't think people should buy presents at work. I'm not a big fan of of people in a, in a work situation getting involved with each other and sort of, you know, sort of trying to make out your friends with everybody. Who wants to be friends with these people? I don't want to be friends with these people at all, I'm afraid. Uh, you know, even though... Con- if, if you had to put up with what I had to put up with, you would you would consider it stalking. To be honest with you, you know, he waves, he coughs every morning when he comes in, so he's quite clearly got some, some incurable illness. Uh, 17 years, Antonio Banderas and Melanie Griffiths have been married... Well, it feels like on this programme with the producer. I feel as like, like I've been sort of married to him for ages. But to be honest with you, I just have to say that it's just to make sure he pushes the right buttons. Uh, 
which isn't, isn't particularly brilliant. Anyway, front pages of the papers that you're waking up to today. Uh, the, uh, the Arctic Monkeys, front of the Metro. The main story is the Coronation Street star Michael Lavelle, who yesterday, he was like a lost soul who was fighting for his life after being accused of raping and sexually abusing a child. Uh, the Mail this morning on the front page, Dazzling in Diamonds, the movie star who became Diana. This is Naomi Watts. It's got really panned, I'm afraid. And I think it's because people just go, leave it alone. Even Arthur Edwards, the son's royal photographer, said it's just not accurate because he was at some of these things. He said it's just not right. So if they can't get it right, I don't know. But also, I can't quite work out who's going to be going to see it. The Diana fans wouldn't want to see something like this. They would only want to go and see something that uh, that portrayed her in a in the right light. So they had the premiere. Uh, obviously, the crowds weren't out for it because it's not it's not what they call a big movie premiere. And we do get the big movie premieres in Leicester Square. It was all for the uh, for the Queen thing last night, celebrating Freddie Mercury, and I think Brian May was there and a couple of the other lads as well. So uh, that was quite nice. He'd have been sixty seven, sixty seven, had he. Had he lived? We've got some donuts. They haven't. Well, they've sent some in. Really? Don't let Christian anywhere near them. Don't let Christian anywhere near them. You know what it'd be like? He'd be eating them. He's, I mean, I, he, he looks like he could eat my donut. Have they sent some in? No, really? Oh, how, can we have one now? How exciting. This will actually send all the sugar levels through the roof. <laughs> Last 20 minutes of this programme could, could be a revelation, ladies and gentlemen. I'd just, uh, just quite like to sort of try one to see what it's like. See if we like it. I can't believe they sent some in. I think that's hilarious. Uh, scientists and the arthritis cure, they hope. I'm not, I'm not going to raise your hopes on this, ladies and gentlemen. I know many of you listening probably suffer with arthritis. Uh, also, Crohn's disease. We know lots of people. We've done features on Crohn's on the programme. They're coming down. They're coming down. I was so excited. <laughs> and also psoriasis. Now, I had a producer who, who was affected quite badly by psoriasis. This is, a, this is a skin complaint. And some days it was good and some days it was, it was bad. But other days you never knew. Never knew. And uh, Jerry said, I've just spoken to a lady at Greg's in Hounslow and she said the, the Greg nut is out up north. We've got it here. <laughs> We've got it here. I'm quite excited by this. Very excited by this. Also, we get fruit one day for our friends down at, uh, at, the, uh, at the fruit shop on Western International. So that's very good indeed. Uh, the Daily Express also put Michael Lavelle, I'm fighting for my life, uh, which he is. Front of the Independent, the fear and loathing in St. Petersburg. I just, I want to go to, I nearly went to Russia years and years ago. I got offered a, a trip on a cruise ship and they said it's going, and I thought this would be interesting. I've seen David Dimbleby's trip around Russia, and that was that was fascinating. Absolutely, fa- everybody smokes. Everybody smokes in these villages. All these toothless hags who smoke. All the all the men are long since dead. So you just get villages with loads of women who are desperate, desperate to meet men. And uh, so, uh, and anyway, at the, the last minute, the cruise ship went bust, and so I never got my my free cruise to Russia, which was I was looking forward to doing because I thought it's going to be the opportunity. I can't believe it. Can't believe it. Good old Christian. Look at that. That's nice, isn't it? They, oh, well, oh God, they're huge. Aren't they big? They're even bigger than we thought, actually. What's it say? Here we go. So this is... You don't think I... Do you want one? Oh, yeah, all right, you can have one. Pound. They're a pound, all right? Yeah, but which one have you got? Is that caramel and pecan or summer berry and creme flavour? I don't think I could really eat anything that size. They look huge. I wouldn't know where, where to begin. Oh, careful, it's dribbling out the bottom. 
all over the... Honestly, would you like a tissue? Have a tissue. So mucky, aren't you? Oh, they look delicious. Open to temptation. So there you go. So not just up north, ladies and gentlemen. We get them first on LBC. They say a limited time only. They're actually very big. In fact, they're actually... It's the size of... It's bigger than a donut. So it's a cross between a donut and you like it, don't you? Oh, I can tell, honestly. Look at him. Happy as Larry, honestly, ladies and gentlemen. So you get the summer berry and, and cream flavour and the caramel and pecan. It's absolutely not. So it's deep fried and then they fill it with this thing and then it's got icing on I mean, it would send me through the roof, that. Without a shadow of a doubt. He's dripped all over the place. He's hopeless, honestly, in here. Not tidy up the desk before other people come in here. There's a, Nick Ferrari and the team have got to come in here later on. Actually, Christian could eat one of those. They're just sent in the one box. Oh, perhaps Christian's sitting up there thinking, oh, perhaps he'll say one for me. We will, Christian, don't worry. Although he's actually very good, he doesn't seem to eat anything. Does he? I've offered him biscuits in the morning, he doesn't go for that one. Uh, the abortion law in tatters, say the Telegraph, as furor over doctors grows. CPS forced to justify dubious decision not to charge the bear who agreed to terminate baby girls. Uh, stepping into the shoes of Diana. Loads of pictures, because she's absolutely gorgeous, Naomi Watts. It's just that... The fans weren't out for it. There was only about 100, they said, and th- there was no celebrities at the thing at all. I mean, don't consider Vanessa Feltz a celebrity, so that's why she's just a presenter. And uh, 1997, when, when Diana died, we all remember it very, very well indeed. The Times, Diana the movie, Triumph or Turkey, how was it? And uh, David Cameron with Angela Merkel, the German Chancellor, before the first working session of the G20 summit yesterday in the Constantine Palace in St Petersburg. It was quite a place to go. And um, no more empty nests. A quarter of parents still have young adults living in their homes. They can't get rid of them. They cannot get rid of them. For goodness sake, will you go, will you go, will you go? No, they haven't. Uh, the Daily Mirror. Susanna Reid, I want to make my kids proud on Strictly. Embarrassing, honestly. You're just doing it for a fee, dear. Why don't you just sort of come clean and admit you're doing it for a fee and uh, really just an auto-cutie. The truth about my guilty secret. Michael Lavelle has talked about... Uh, he, he, when asked if he was an alcohol... Uh, an alcoholic, he said yes. So it's as simple as that. He said he, he could drink nine pints. He said it's a working class thing. I think loads of people drink. I've, I've, I've known in this business and, and other businesses as well, uh, people who actually drink and they don't, they don't see it as anything, you know, I, I think it's a social thing, isn't it? Journalism was always known as a, as a hard drinking area. For the simple reason that people socialised. You've got a lot of stories in pubs. I mean, the, the pubs of Fleet Street were legendary when we were there. Absolutely legendary. And people went and they... Uh, and you just went for a drink after work. And then you left there at 11, staggered home, and then staggered back into the studio. Putin's on the front of the mirror. Britain is just a small island nobody listens to. Oh, they listen to us, believe you me. They listen to us. It's amazing, actually, how many of your contemporaries, Mr Putin, want to come and live here if we're a little island that nobody listens to. Uh, I'm a drunk... And a cheat, but I'm not a rapist, says Michael Lavelle. Uh, to the front of the Daily Star, Sophie Dreary Anderton uh, is in the papers today, revealing all, proving she's as tacky and naff as she always was, and uh, with a really horrible voice as well. Actually, again, I'm, I, I flipped through the channels, and I'm afraid we were going through the, the bid channel, and there she was again. The, the, the poor, dreadful creature. She shouts. The one thing you don't need to do if you're broadcasting on television, and I've, I've often discovered it's amateurs who appear on television. And poor old Sally Jacks, you've got a microphone on, dear. You don't need to shout. You can talk normally. But she screams and shouts, and it's just, it's just awful, I'm afraid. Uh, 84850, Steve 
at LBC. I can't live without my taxi card. Freedom Pass, Discount Rail Travel, The New Forest, Devon. Undisturbed sleep, says Sue Ann. Sprained ankle. Oh, should be, you should be Jonathan Shallot. He came here the other day in a walking stick. Well, not in a walking stick, a very large walking stick. He's lost loads of weight he, on a walking stick because he's slipped a disc. He's done whatever it was, honestly. I think what he was doing, he was trying to be helpful. It's this helpful strain again, which we have in this country. And lifting a bag off the carousel at the airport for this woman, and then the back went. <coughs> Won't do that again, I'm afraid. Won't do that again. Quarter past six. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. 84850, steve at Somebody says, it wasn't Putin who said we're a little island. Sadly, it was, I'm afraid. Sadly, it was. It's on the front of the papers today. So there you go. Uh, 84850, uh, Another one here, uh, who's saying... Uh, what was this one here? Was somebody else who said, like, like the sound of these donuts. Yes, I mean, I've, I've decided they're a heart attack for me waiting to happen. I've decided that there's just so much... Just even looking at it, I know that as a diabetic, I would be on the floor. Or failing that up on the ceiling. I don't want to risk either of it, I'm afraid, this morning. So you'll have to be spared that. But uh, two people have happened so far. Will liked his one. He thinks maybe it's a little bit too much for this time of the morning. And the producer just couldn't get it down his throat quick enough. You've never seen anybody... Like he's never eaten before. He's the sort of person you sort of take out to at McDonald's for a Happy Meal. He's eaten the chips by the time he's got back to the table. Uh, front of the Sun this morning, uh, Princess Naomi. Um, gets, she gets loads of coverage, mainly because it's a very simple dress, showing quite a lot. And, um, and she's playing Diana. She doesn't look like Diana, but then I never think people do in these sort of films. Didn't get great reviews, I'm afraid. Uh, Nazi jibe comic Russell Brand was blasted as a hypocrite for wearing a jacket by Hugo Boss when he went to the Oscars. Never let it spoil a good story. Michael Lavelle saying he's fighting for his life. Uh, inside, there's more on uh, Tamara Foster, the nasty little thug from The X Factor, the one who's a bully. Um, now, she's, uh, she tweeted a snap of a fingernail painting appearing to glorify guns. She's actually got a fingernail with a gun on it. She's either immensely stupid or even thicker. Than, mind you, she's 16. She, don't, she knows nothing at all, does she? She knows absolutely nothing. Mm. And uh, so here she is. It's got uh, next to it with the words gangster life as seen on TV. And uh, she's not a very pleasant person. As soon as she's kicked out, the, uh, the better. I don't want somebody like that on the television. I don't care who they are, I'm afraid. I find it bad enough we have to put up with the... Uh, with the, the greengrocer, I'm afraid, who, uh, who attacks people. Uh, also, British taxpayers unwittingly help finance Real Madrid's swoop for the footy star Gareth Bale. Apparently, the club paid the world record fee after taking out a string of state-funded bank loans to cover the £500 million debts. In other words, they spent all that money and they got debts of £500 million. Must be the only useless football club in the entire world. They can afford to spend that much money, but they haven't got any money, which is, uh, which is a shame. Uh, more on the film, the film, the film, the film. It goes uh, pages and pages, and she really gets coverage. She really gets coverage, which is uh, which is great for her. Uh, also, the sun seeing the last British troops leaving uh, a base, and Kelly Brook uh, going out with a photographer again uh, after she's dumped love rat Danny Cipriani. She's thirty thirty three, and she still can't settle down. Goodness sake! Goodness sake! And, uh, and a postman's gone to prison. He falsely claimed £100,000 in benefits, has been jailed for eight months. Henry Panda, there's a name to play with, uh, raked in housing benefits, uh, council tax breaks, job seekers allowance. 
He comes from uh, from Stratford. Started a claim when he was unemployed, and then managed to get himself a job. And so he's been jailed for eight months. Not long enough, is it, really? It's really not long enough. Should have been ten years. And send some sort of warning out to these people. I can't help feeling Professor Green and Millie McIntosh, his real name's Stephen Manderson, they, they seem quite happy together. He's sort of working class and she's, she's posh totty. But they seem to be fairly happy. Uh, there's also the story of the Queen's jockey, jailed for GBH on a love rival. And uh, I mentioned earlier, poor old Lewis Hamilton, taking a jet ski ride, all by his little lonesome, because he doesn't have a, a girlfriend at the moment. Uh, meet the man who can make a meal of a map with a rare brain condition that lets him taste place names. James Wanerton conjures up lumpy mash, he said for him, when he thinks of London. Manchester tastes of fried onions, and his hometown of, oh, wait for it, Blackpool, is fruit pastel flavoured. Strange, I'd have thought differently. He apparently, he's a systems analyst, he suffers from uh, synesthesia, which mixes up the senses and causes written words to create taste sensations in his mouth. Have you ever heard of such a thing? It sounds quite interesting, doesn't it? I still love the story, and I was still in sheer admiration that she managed to get home in one piece, the little girl of two who walked out of a nursery and strolled half a mile alone before knocking on the door of the house and saying, Mummy, I'm home. She's two years old. She walked past a main road, a roundabout, under a couple of bridges and all the rest of it, along with the side of a canal, and she still managed to make it home. How she knew where she lived, I have no idea. But she did it. Uh, Katie Hopkins, another ludicrous thing. Uh, why posh girls love to strip. She's talking about the... And there's a picture of her stripping. Oh, put your clothes back on, dear. Tacky, and it's too old and too wrinkly to be seen anywhere. Uh, elite athletes from Oxford have stripped off for a saucy charity calendar. They've all done it. It's the Oxford Blues calendar. I'm trying to persuade them around here to strip off for a calendar. You know, so we could do the LBC nude calendar. You know, I quite fancy that idea. We could all hide behind Nick Ferrari. That'd be... <laughs> I've just realised he's in. <laughs> Is he not in yet? Oh, great. Oh, thank goodness. Uh, that'd better be quite good, wouldn't it? I think we could all do... I've always advocated for charity and nude calendar. People would buy that, wouldn't they? To see all of us, you know, in the raw. You know? <laughs> sort of. I think it would sell. I'd buy a copy. We'd all have to be photographed at separate times, but I'd definitely go for it. Uh, Brendan Cole... Uh, is uh, Dancy again. He's a man with a few issues, isn't he? He's had his publicity and uh, now it's finished. And Peaches Geldof has spoken candidly, oh, God, the woman who seems to do nothing for a living, about uh, Paula Yates revealing the telly star would often say completely inappropriate things to her children. She was a heroin addict, dear. That's why. That's why she would say these things. Apparently, she said her mum was as outrageous at home as on the box. I mean, but she was, you know, she was on drugs. That's what people say, I'm afraid. Rewind the Tube, which also includes contributions from Bob Geldof. Oh, God. I can't believe he's still going, actually. Uh, the cast of uh, The Only Way is Essex is sitting in Las Vegas to kick off the new series. Uh, the executive producer, Phil, says, after the success of The Only Way is Marbs, we wanted to begin our series in style, and where better to do it than Vegas? The cast can't wait to hit the strip. Are they old enough to go there? Are they old enough to go to Las Vegas? You've got to be 21, haven't you, to go to Vegas to appear on the floor there? I don't know. Been to Vegas? No. Would you like to go? It's fabulous. Yeah, I've been a few times. I love it. It is adult Disney, but you just have to remember, it's boiling hot. It is absolutely boiling hot. It's, it's the middle of the desert, and it's very, very hot. Listen, sadly, no more time. I have to go and prepare for Antonio Banderas for the interview today, which is very nice indeed. We'll have a free podcast for you up very, very shortly, and that'll be containing some of your favourite celebrity names. And uh, what else we got? Oh, yes, we're back on Sunday, so we'll have uh, Killian Murphy... Fantastic actor, really. Check him out. It's 
He's a really, really nice man. Uh, Antonio Banderas, and we've got a little bit of a retrospective of summer. Little kind of little vignettes, which will be going out as well. That's on Sunday morning for In Conversation, just after uh, Steve Allen's Best Of. Go to the LBC website to check out all the details, lbc.co.uk. And you can learn how to podcast, check out all the photos, you can see what everybody looks like. Wonderful. Thank you for your company this morning. Don't forget, take your brolly today. It's going to be a bit wet, and that uh, extends over the weekend, so the car washers will not be at all happy. Nick Ferrari and the team with you at 7 on LBC 97.3. Coming up next, the morning news with Lisa Aziz.